Welcome to another week of TCP, episode 212, your weekly catch-up on things that have happened around the Overwatch space, where, you know, I mean, I mean, every week we try and catch up, and like, man, what did happen? What did happen? Sometimes some stuff does happen, sometimes a lot of stuff happens. Um, something that we can't do this week is talk about Attack on Titan, because you still didn't watch the episode, shame on you. And... Now we have nothing. To, so you know, you know what you what what will we talk about for the intro in Sidiuska? Yeah, since you failed to watch the episode and you didn't do your homework. Did you catch up on Demon Slayer? I wait. I've never seen that in my life. I don't even know yeah, what that is. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's legitimately. We've also we've also never set a precedent for watching that. Like I've we've never talked about it, discussed it, or have any sort of like right. basic you know, taste expectation to to have that as a thing we're meant to be watching it is one of those like hyper popular shonen just it's cool guys popular. fighting each other yeah, i mean it is very pretty it is yeah yeah it let's be honest like Look a lot right of up. the draw is just like the quality oh yeah um mm, the animation I've seen, I've seen the screenshots before mm. i'm not gonna lie to you to. i initially thought this was like some my hero academia spinoff <laughs> um, uh, anime is all the same to me, man. It's uh, I mean, it kind of. I mean, it's probably not even that different, to be honest. Uh, probably all the same, you know, same plot lines. What is it? Some... It was a shonen, right? So it's just it's some kid who doesn't know he has powers, and then oh, he and then he discovers some latent power because he needs to save somebody, and then over several seasons he gets slowly more powerful, and then I mean, and then his his rival becomes his friend, and then there's some like really b big bad boy that they have to beat and then there's some even big one and then the, you know just power creeping of enemies until uh we're 10 years down the line and there's nothing to write about is, 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 I, am i about warm i feel like about how yeah, it it's pretty on the nose but <laughs> it's significantly more dark mm, like okay. the premise of the show is so very, some very characters dark. some characters actually die then so what i said then so, there's some many, permadeath. Dude, so, so what i many. so yeah what i said but with permadeath yeah there we go so Good, we got we're good. I could I could be a shonen writer. I reckon I can. I, I it also it looks down. beautiful. Probably. And it's a pretty cool um you know, I'm into magic systems or like if, if they're done well, you know, if there are any coherence to them and mm. if they serve a purpose to drive the narrative forward. If you want, we can at some point just shit on the entirety of Marvel that has been like post uh like Avengers type of situation especially now dude oh my god is everything meaningless now but uh, is it yeah absolutely meaningless i have no idea i i think i'm up today the only thing i haven't seen is the new hawkeye right um and bits and pieces of the what if i did not enjoy that series uh but otherwise i'm up to date no that's a lie i haven't i still need to watch the new spider-man and i haven't been able to because right. um I'll probably catch the COVID if I go. Also, I think I got the COVID already and I didn't want to spread it to other people. So I just mm. haven't done yeah. it. Fair. Well, then fair. Yeah, you kind of need also, to watch you know, that in order to get my just, point about it. It hasn't, it hasn't, it also, it hasn't shown up on any of the merchant ships I raid while I'm on the high seas. Mm. So, you know, every mm. time, every time, you know, I sail up and come side to side parallel next to a merchant ship and, you know, I, I, I invade, I, I, I board I board the ship and you know sack them for all the wealth. Uh, no copies of the new Spider-Man to be found anywhere on those. I don't know. 
Yeah. Now, I guess like once once you've seen it, let's let's put a pin in it and talk about like what consequences really mean in a universe where, I mean, you kind of you you saw trailers of that movie, right? I think it's basically it's basically been spoiled to me already. First of all, the trailers had huge spoilers in them. Second of all, um, like the the shameless YouTubers. Just like they don't even care. There's like literal spoilers in the thumbnail. Right. Like that's how shameless it is. It's like it's actually kind of gross, but I mean, hey, some people do anything for a click. So yeah, I mean, at this stage, it's like you, you. I think, and if you're Marvel, it actually works in your favor because it means you have to go see it, lest you be spoiled. If you actually care, that is. Um, so it creates this kind of like necessity to go and watch it as soon as you can. Yeah. I guess underlying point is like life would be pretty meaningless if you had infinite tries and were immortal, basically. Like it's really hard to build any meaningful storyline mm -hmm. if everything can be undone, right? Like every mistake and everything. And there's also... Well, that's the problem with Endgame, isn't it? Yes. That already... It, it, the problem, the thing is with Endgame, you at least had some idea that like it was like a monumental effort. It was just like, oh my god, this is going to happen once. It really shouldn't have happened, but we lucked out. We hit the keyhole, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like we get this one life back, right? And we get to try again once. That shit is now out of the window. We have infinite tries. You know, you know what? The, what that kind of reminds me of. I don't. I, I remember watching. Dragon Ball Z, even as a child watching Dragon Ball Z, and the first time I was like, oh, they killed Goku. But wait, he's not dead. Oh, they just revived him. Yeah. That's mm. when I'm like, well, this show just has no stakes. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoy it. Enjoyed it for like the action and the fact that like as a kid, that was like one of the few animes imported yeah. from Japan that you could watch on TV. Yeah. And so it was still cool, you know? Um, but from a story perspective, no stakes involved at all. Like Oh, yeah, somebody dies. Well, they're not really dead. No one actually ever dies. Yeah. They can just infinitely come back. So, I mean, like, so what's the fucking point? You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. But there was there was a situation like I, I think the the average movie viewer in my showing just didn't think through those implications. And it was one supposedly emotional situation where everyone's like near crying. And I wanted to laugh in their face because they don't understand the mechanics of this movie like it, it was okay. really really upsetting i don't know <laughs> including my friends by the way but being shame a good on friend, you for being emotionally I adverse in, i kept i kept it in myself and only ever like basically if they like ask me how i rate this movie and mm -hmm. it came up we, we we got like an app right where we just like enter all the movies we've watched and everyone has like a list. And, but I didn't know the ratings were s public and they were like, what do you mean you gave that movie two out of four stars? And I'm like, don't ask questions. You don't want the answer to, I will destroy this movie for you and prove to you that your tastes are absolutely horrific. Like, so you guys rate movies out of four. It's a weird. It's, oh, it's called an app called Letterbox. I have no idea what that is. I'm thing. gonna start. I, I've heard a little bit. I'm gonna start a rating where you rate it out of thirty-seven. It's it's the worst too because it me. has half just, stars. <laughs> it's just just a random. I'm just gonna throw a random inconsequential number. Rate it out of thirty. Hey, 
on a scale of one to thirty-seven, what do you think? Seventeen. <laughs> it's just completely random. Like I'm also incredibly God. pissed at people. You know when you go out of ten, right? Mm-hmm. So okay, uh-huh. I can understand. Like it depends on what your ruler is, right? But if you say the best movie I think that was ever made is a ten, and everything else gets like degraded there. We have no problem. I think, like, I wouldn't use my scale like that. I don't think there has been a 1010 movie. I don't think there has been a 1010 anything, right? By, mm-hmm. by my own tastes, for anything ever, right? Sure. Literally everything has flaws for, for my, like, there's, like, depending on what kind of mood you catch me in that day, I will rate it below 10, right? Because molecules fly weirdly in my brain and I value it. I think Phantom Menace is a 1010. <laughs> right. Just and, me, though, just me. And then, now my problem is, do you know these people that have 20 10, 10 movies? You're wrong. Who want everybody in the playoffs. Like, oh yeah, that's a playoffs team. Yeah, yeah, they could win. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bro. Like, they could be in the playoffs. Hey, Yiska, are those people called IGN? Do they just write everything down? <laughs> Unreal, man. Like, it's the worst. It is, these are the same people that have like, 27 players in their top 10, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's just fair. Yeah. It feels like it should be... No, no, do the list. Shut the fuck up. Evaluate things against each other. Nothing can be... And then, like, those are the same t- people that have, like, 27 10-10s, but then every other movie is also a 1 out of 10. No, it isn't. You hyperbolic, binary, like, binary-thinking just idiot. Do, just mm-hmm. do, like, here's, like, give me between... yeah. Give me a rating between one and zero. Yeah, like one. I one is I liked it. Zero, I didn't like it. Just give me that rating. <laughs> rate please one out of uh, all out of one stars. Nice, we've invented your rating. This is the worst. I don't know. It's the worst. And I unfortunately have friends like this that think like this. It's either war or bad. And oh, your say, standard of friendship is just so low. You scared. I can't believe you. It's getting. I'm. I'm trying to re-educate. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're like oh, trying to ev man. your nephew you're like i'm gonna create the perfect human being here I'm, who has perfect standards i'm gonna ev the fuck out of this child i'm trying to avoid the, the worst you know just like make that you know like you know how they say you should raise children that you like i'm only partially involved i'm only 25 percent of that human's uh i would love code, it but i still I would love it that. if like you you put all the numbers and all the stats through the algorithm on the machine, and it spits out uh, a, a piece of a, like some sort of kind of command for you, I, I suppose. And then you bring that to your sister, and it's like, well, um, you know, according to the data that I put in here, the most optimal way to raise this child would be like if I take custody. So if you don't mind, <laughs> uh, this child belongs to me now. No, uh, no, it wouldn't be. It really wouldn't be. Actually, like. I can't even hold babies, dude. I I recently tried. I freaked. You do you not? Yeah, do no. Do you guys get I, anxiety I'm, if you hold? That's fine, dude. I mean, yes. Isn't isn't okay. isn't the, it, it doesn't the saying go like you know all babies land on their feet? <laughs> so like if you if you drop one, I think it'll be fine. No, dude, they would land on their heads. Like they, there's definitely like jello, the jello side of a baby, of the <laughs> jelly. Tell a sandwich is definitely the head, dude. If you would so if you had a baby mounting a cat and it was dropped, how would it land on the cat's feet or on the baby's head? I mean, it's it's it is basically like the situation where you now have 
like is that infinite energy and they're just yeah yeah infinite energy right yeah only if it's dropped by me though that's Dude, You'll it's... get over it, like once you do it more. Like you know, you just have to kind of like build yourself up. But yeah, you'll. I was very much the same way. Like, no, oh my god, understand. very fragile. Will break. Uh, please take. Yeah, and you'll you'll get used to. It. Like I, I had my nephew on my arm, and then he was moving. He was chilling though, but like moving, and I was yeah. like, oh my god, <gasps> I'm going to drop him. He's going to yeah, wiggle yeah. free. Yes. Like, like a. Of course, you catastrophize. I, 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 I get you. Yeah. But it will. You will get more comfortable. Like, He'll get more comfortable with you. It will happen. You got to get stronger in order for me to take that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's the baby's problem. You're right. Maybe we could put him. You, you know these giant inflatable balls that people get uh -huh. go into. Maybe mm. we can get one of those. And I, will I think they made a movie around. of that. Really? What's it called? Bubble Boy. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Is what do they do in there? What kind of movie is it? Is it an adult it's entertainment a, it's a, movie? No, it's a fucking. I mean, kind of. It's a. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a it's comedy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely for adults, but right. it's not like that. Right. There we go. Yeah. Long story short, I'm never mm. like. Unless it's my child, because I feel like at that point, you know, sort of destroying what I made or helped make, I feel less, you know. I also feel like maybe my genetics would then kick in and realize, like, you gotta, if you don't do it, nobody else will. But for now, I'm freaking the fuck out, dude. Like, I'm the type of person that r walks through a cafeteria with his, you know, like, with his food on, on like, what's it called? Like, the, the thing that you put a... The food on, and the drinks. You know what I'm talking about? A tray, yeah, like a tray. And I will okay. have an out of body experiences in in anxiety of dropping that uh that thing, dude. It's unreal. Like my you have out of body experiences of dropping trays, dude. It's worse. I don't feel like my hands are part of my body. Ironically, <laughs> true. You. The more I learn about the inner mechanisms of your brain, the more I'm convinced you're not a real person. It's it, it is weird, dude. It's like your 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 human suit is showing. Yeah. I you are something <laughs> else, my friend. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, you, you successfully <sighs> infiltrated the human species. Well done. Um. Oh, yeah. Cool. So that's what we talked about instead of Attack on Titan. Um, for for those that did watch the latest episode, give yourself a pat on the back. Enjoy. I don't know. Enjoy something that you enjoy. And uh, congratulations for being well cultured. And then also look forward to the next week's episode mm. of uh, the Attack on Titan podcast. No, I've um, no. It, it's there's some crazy shit happening in, in right now. These these two episodes, and I did accurately guess it will be. Taking place over two episodes is is pretty wild, um. So yeah, I don't even know what I can say. I can't really say anything about it because I don't. It's so it's such a spoiler heavy episode that that it's like you can't even really talk about it unless you've seen it. It's it's very. It's like they shoved all the exposition in twenty minutes. It's like wow, there's a lot of exposition that happened. I'm like my mind hasn't caught up yet. Well, I mean, I'm not me because I already read the manga. For for people discovering the first time, it's like I need to watch that whole episode again. So I'm not too sure I understood it completely. So 
Those are I'm I not to completely hijack, but I'm rewatching Ghost in the Shell and there are episodes like that. And I've noticed like throughout a lot of anime where there's just like hyper like, exposition heavy episodes that do feel like you need to rewatch and just kind of like, wait a second. OK, uh huh. Tell me more. Yes. Backstories and, and lore and, and just everything. And it's just like. Uh, uh, you just your brain just starts melting it's like please get back to the action quickly i need to i need a break from all of this info dump yeah sometimes <sighs> it feels like if, if your stuff is too needlessly complex that is definitely annoying like mm. sometimes you need to build it up but it like you should probably pace the explanation you have to yeah you, I also you definitely have- want to I'm also not a fan of hand-holding. Like, if you spelled it out once, it lasts 100 pages. That's enough. Like, the reader should be able to piece it together. You don't need to recall it. Like, don't take idiots by, you know, by hand. Like, it's in yeah. there, so you established it, and that should be part of what the understanding of the reader is. But, yeah, like, if you just info-dump and in- explain an entire, like, mechanism or magic system in the moment or, like, you know character family that impacts it like i don't know at that point like that's probably just lackluster writing mm. yeah cool. the only uh other thing that happened this week was title one has left t1 nice um <laughs> i didn't know that uh what else happened addison ray launches a blue light protection skincare brand i don't know i didn't even really know who she was Really? Um, oh man! What about? I don't. I'm not all. I'm not about the Twitch meta. I don't. No, she's a. She's one of the biggest TikTok creators. I don't. I don't have TikTok. I don't use TikTok. Uma. Uh, you're older than me. And, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, oh. And you have a child, son. <laughs> so take this L. No, uh, True, yeah. actually, it's not even really your child. Uh, yeah. But you can get custody. Just again, take my advice and just get the custody. It's fine. And um, what else? I'm just going down live stream fail really. And I've realized like, wow, I don't know oh, 90% no. of these people. We've- I think it's I think it's very healthy that I don't know 90% of these people because that <laughs> shows that I don't have strange parasocial relationships with people who don't know me who I don't know them either. Mm. You know what I mean? Like on the internet, I find that to be really weird. Yeah. Um, touch more grass, people. Remind yourself to touch some grass. If you haven't touched grass this week, or preferably this day, just remind yourself to touch some grass, if possible. Uh, it's always healthy. Pay yourself for watching Attack on Titan, and then afterwards, touch some grass as you contemplate what in the world is going on in that world, and then continue with your yeah, day right. and, and enjoy the things that you enjoy. And hopefully, uh, we'll enjoy this episode as we'll get into it proper now. Episode 2112. To 112 is that 2112, just 212, brought to you by our lovely patrons Battle Crab, Refine Bean, Bronze Babu, Halchare, Prophet Picasso, Chris R34444. Uh, congrats on the Bengals, by the way. Cash67, Lolshin, Porkchop Sammy, Rick Zane, Sir Gerthalot, Volamel Smooth Nuts, and Your Misery. Headline topic for the week is without a doubt, and we didn't get to cover this last week because it kind of happened after the recording. Um, but Brendan Sideshow have announced that they won't be returning to the Overwatch League for this season. And I might as well get the actual tweet out. Uh, and they were pretty identical tweets, so we can just read one of them. And um, 
I mean, you guys can talk about it while I go to bed for 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Where is it? Does everyone have it on hand? I should have. I should have been more prepared. Mm, I don't even probably can find it. Have it on hand here. Yeah. It, it was really recent, wasn't it? He didn't do it. Uh, I mean, maybe. The boys probably tweet a fair amount. So okay, here we go. Brendan and I currently do not have an agreement for 2022 with Overwatch League, mar marking the end of our four years as broadcast talent. We wish the league and our colleagues the best of luck for Overwatch Two. So I, I guess I'll just go first. Like what what I'm, what I'll say is like obviously, um, I love these guys. I've known them for a super long time. Again, for people that don't know the background and the lore and the backstory, like I've I've known Sideshow and Brand since literally the start of Overwatch when we we're all just doing super amateur stuff. We all started like. If I'm allowed to even say, like, kind of around the same level, the casting, like, just kind of, you know, a tiny bit of experience from other games like Team Fortress. I'm a TF2 guy as well. Those guys are TF2 guys. We never really crossed paths in TF2 because we're obviously from different regions and across the other side of the world. But, you know, we, we'd done some amateur stuff. We'd done, you know, esports for some love, but we, we weren't super professional. We're kind of just making stabs in the dark and finding our way through. One of my very, very first Overwatch casts ever was actually with Bren. Um, so this is like a lot of history there. I've known these guys for like a super long time in that regard. I'm like, you know, we, we were not like talking and texting every day or anything like that, but like just in terms of knowing who they are and having that kind of, you know, acquaintance and just being a colleague and just being somebody in the space. So a lot of respect to these two guys and everything they've done uh, in, in the Overwatch space, in the esports space. And, Things are doing in Valorant as well. There's a lot of crossover in, in all of our interests and things we're in, we're doing, and just hanging out with them. Like I've also met them in person. I hung out with them in Bangkok. Um, brilliant time. Just just a just a lot of fun. Just a, a great atmosphere. And um, I think the broadcast team in general, especially this last year that uh, when I joined on, yeah, it was like a really great atmosphere. We uh, had a couple of hangouts outside the broadcast as well through you know the discords and whatnot and. Um, it's just really cool. So I got a lot of respect professionally and also personally with, with these guys and I wish them nothing but the best. Um, and I mean, I don't even need to wish them success because I know they're already finding it. I mean, they can do anything really. They're, they're doing great stuff with Plat Chat. Um, mm. Who knows? Maybe they're getting some Valorant casting. They're pretty free and open to it now. They do great, you know, jobs on their own content as well in terms of streams and viewers and all that kind of jazz so you know they're they're fine they're going to be absolutely fine and they have their reasons for not wanting to return for this year um the facts that have been stated is that they were given an offer um the offer was not they could not agree on the offer meaning that they they did not believe that they, they wanted to take that offer they they um i'm not going to paraphrase too hard here but essentially you know there was there was no agreement between the league and them on on what you know what it was going to take to to bring them back so they've at this mm -hmm. point um i don't know if they'll they did say they're not going to be like permanently gone that maybe if things change in the future and a different offer comes on through or a different opportunity or you know maybe they just feel like overwatch 2 is the game that they really 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 want to be a part of then yeah and possibly they'll come back so it's not really like a goodbye just like they'll just be moving away at least for the time being and seeing how things go you could maybe look at like an extended hiatus um and 
wish them all the best and again got nothing but love and respect there so beyond that though i don't think there's much i can personally say because things that i actually know that aren't public is not really like i'm, I'm not obviously not going to talk about them but it's also there's not like dirty laundry or anything it's not like there's some really crazy stuff happening that like i'm hiding it's just it's just like a really sensitive topic for someone that's working really close to this particular headline it's just like it's um i don't know it, I, I think i think it's just safer and better if i don't make too many comments so i'll let you guys mostly handle this i've said my piece i've said really all that i want to say about it and you guys can go on and do your thing and then when we're ready we'll move on to the next topic yeah i think to start where we probably agree and yes you can stop me when we when we start to disagree, right? Obviously, I think I speak for everybody here in saying that it's it's sad to see them go. Obviously, they'll do very good things, right? Um, I think where I would guess we probably differ is what this means moving forward. Um, I think I'm generally more optimistic in a weird way. Um, it's It's very clear that both of these fine young gentlemen um are quite quite funny quite entertaining right and that's not something that maybe is the best for a official broadcast right um it's it's of my opinion that i think this is in a weird way really good for overwatch i think having like a competitive second and and by no means is this throwing any shade at anybody else doing like co-streams or side streams or whatever you want to call them. Um, but I think having something that's, you know, well-produced on a platform that people kind of are already familiar with, like, you know, plat chat or wherever they want to host it um, with, with faces that people know and love and are, you know, entertained by on mass as shown by their obviously number of years with the Overwatch League and their, podcasts and all that kind of stuff um i think this is a, uh, there's potential for a really really good thing to come back you know much like the sideshow at home i think you mentioned this before we got into recording you know sideshow prior to him getting his visa that kind of established the 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 entrance of co-streams at least in our community right um i, I see that almost coming back in a more produced and, and well put together way that I think is is something that people not only want, but is going to push the official broadcast to do more and be more active and maybe even collaborate. I think that could be something that could be interesting. I I don't know. It sucks to see them go. Obviously I want to, I want to hear Sideshow and Brennan. I want them to get them, you know, I want to get them like in those finals again, like we used to, but I don't know. I have a, I, I can't shake an optimistic, you know, coloring of this. Okay, I'm completely on the other side. I think, okay, so <clears throat> mm, I guess let's start with <clears throat> positioning where I, what I think we're, we'll be missing. I think probably more so than everyone else, including Monty, including Doa, uh, including Mitch, I think Brandon Sideshow were way more important in filtering and finding our own audience and the tone in which fandom of Overwatch is celebrated. I think their idea of esports, which is much more aching to mine, like, you know, telling the story of hardship, um, 
maybe having having some um some witty remark about that situation creating tension whatnot that type of esport that really goes well in other scenes never really caught on with our demographic and finding a much more gentle and sort of like being dumb in a very smart way type of content that seems to be vibing with the Overwatch League, that that is Citra and Brand quintessentialized. I'm not sure if they created that style or molded themselves after that, but that feels very much like um, Zoomer humor and which makes sense for a demographic that is likely to be the youngest of bigger esports just because, outside of Fortnite and whatnot, just because um, it's the youngest esport, therefore fandom theoretically would likely uh, attract a younger audience because people didn't stick around for too long, if that makes any sense. So I feel like towards that audience... It has been like their ability to iterate on on their ideas while being um like so lighthearted about it was second to none and shaped the Overwatch League most definitely. I will say there's one I, I unfortunately don't have the quote like uh word for word, but I think Bren tweeted something like um it's the hardest thing in the world to be like a lighthearted fool nowadays, or something like this, right? Maybe, maybe Eric can find the uh, the quote. It's it's a while ago, and it mm. is it is actually super hard when you're constantly being shit on, when you're like, uh, when there's public controversy, contro- controversies. Um, I will say, of course, they are like, but because of their charisma, they can get away with a lot, right? Like they're they're almost like the more adapted evolution of whatever Monty was in League of Legends, where he got his criticism off by being funny about it. Sasha mm-hmm. and Bren are first and foremost funny, and then when the time strikes for them, where they find that something is important to address, nobody's pissed at them, even it might run counter uh, the narrative. I'm actually quite surprised with some of the positioning and participation on some broadcasts that people let them off the hook with just because of who they are. Like it, it's, they, they carry a lot outside. Um, their process is very thorough. I think um, the amount of work that Sideshow puts in into his preparation is, is great. Like, and to be on top of two scenes. Um, so I think we're losing a ton there. I, I, if anything, I would have liked for them to take more on in terms of finding our audience because uh, I don't trust anyone else on uh, as much, I would say, on the production side to find that tone as those two do. Um, I think Bren almost like invented the greatest showman um, attribute in the Overwatch League, maybe I, I think in fairness you would probably have to say Golden Boy was also part of it. Mm. But like the the WWE style, like braggadocious, like but so over the top that nobody really is pissed off. But it's it's like everyone understands and is in on the joke type of thing. Like mm. others are trying to emulate it, including this. Nobody has the charisma and like the type of character that Bren has to pull that off consistently. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that just makes them the best casters for shit games. Right? Like, they can... Sure. Like, th those, those guys are not mute land for me. Um, I will say, like... It, it's not about my personal taste as much, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy... People know I'm a big fan of Uber. I'm a big fan of Avril and, uh, and Achilles. That's my type of cast. That's my generation's type of casting. I think mm -hmm. Sideshow and Brenna are the uh, new generation's type of casting. What they want out of the entertainment. And we got to compete with entertainment. We got to compete with uh, YouTube. We got to compete with TikTok for hours watched. And that seems to be the flair or the flavor of content that a younger audience or an audience mm -hmm. at least that Overwatch League has attracted once. And to lose that is a big, uh, big blow. Now, is that a fumble? Or is that necessarily almost... Is, it, uh, is there a steel man case where this is not incompetence by the Overwatch League? I think so. Like, I think that there are definitely scenarios, given the current situation, where... Mm -hmm. And, okay, because we do this a lot on this podcast, where we say things that we know and phrase them as if we just are making accurate predictions about it. This is not one of those cases. I have no insight. This, this is mostly you. Mostly yeah, you yeah, do that, just by you. <laughs> You're, I think you, like 80% is you doing that. Right. Um, so I, I have no inside knowledge about this because it's, I, I, honestly, like when Kevin Hitt uh, reported that, um, and we'll get to that as well, um, I didn't know about this. I hadn't heard of it. So that is an aspect that plays into it. There's an aspect about Microsoft. I mean, we, we wanted to talk about the earnings call this week that could have been on Tuesday, was delayed or said to be Thursday. Now, because of the impending acquisition, that is not going to happen this week, right? So that is an, a, a thing of uncertainty about budgeting and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. um, there, it, like, there are a lot of reasons why this is shifting I just don't... Th I think it could be hard to uh, justify the cost depending on what they're asking for. We don't know the number or whatever, even though sure. we have what people said publicly. Um, I think the blank check rhetoric is not helping anyone. That's not true. Yeah, no. Like, you're not giving someone a blank check and they st just start writing zeros for an evening, right? Yeah. Um, so and obviously, I, I think what what those people are trying to argue is that, like, obviously, you want to keep them. You want to give them that blank check. But Overwatch is not in a position to be handing out blank checks. Yeah, I think there's a theory where you don't have to pay as much upfront, but involve them more or make it enticing for them to create um, content around your game and stick around. Mm -hmm. um, where it's equally beneficial, but you're not like personally gaining value of that directly right like they can create value for your game that you don't directly monetize via the um, mm -hmm. the broadcast but by them still sticking around in the scene and you like maybe you don't have to monetarily entice them there maybe you can just offer them something like for instance a clean feed on on a right like that's just one of my theories I'm not even sure how much that would help because once again, there are a lot, a lot of smart people that have figured out co-streaming with like um, being able to do that at the same time and have a pretty good experience about it, which feels, by the way, weirdly like 20... Uh, so, sorry, like 
esports in like 1999 where we had like Warcraft 3 Winamp type of walk TV where we had to synchronize different um, mm -hmm. broadcasts in order to get like the Winamp era of esports basically where you had like a broadcast and then you had a weird system of watching a replay through a network client that allowed you that for it. In that way, it kind of feels like that we're at that part of co-streaming where you need some tool in order to be synced up with a broadcast, which seems like not the final destination. And in the eat ride has shown that there is another way to do this, right? Mm. Um, I, I'd like I'd welcome if that uh, was to be the case for Overwatch as well, right? Not just for Brandon Sideshow, but just generally for entertaining people within the scene, and not just mm. for the teams. Um, and if the teams have the po possibility to give that right by by their contract or whatever then I'd, I'd love for them to spread out and spread the love a little bit wider with their um, broadcast rights or whatever. They that allowed them to have, like, you know, the defined co-stream with um, Fran or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that said, I think there is a world where they just probably don't understand the value of those two. I, I'll be honest. Whoever is coming after that is a pretty big down downgrade. Like I, I like I, that's why I don't get the um the the positivity angle or the the uh the optimistic take because mm -hmm. I mean I think the closest probably is like Day and Lemon. I think Lemon sure. especially has shown to and like Day as well. I think um to be able to like sort of have flavor content that people are into. I, I'm thinking of mm -hmm. like uh, leg day with the with the songs that he made, or like the the format of like you know pointing out the biggest um, mistakes, mistakes, like but in a moments. fun way. Yeah. Um. I think Lemon has that with uh, her TikToks, and they are sort of uh, Overwatch themed that work pretty well. So they definitely have some potential there. They're not as refined as Sideshow and Brian. They have like three years on them. They are highly aligned. They have a process going where they can find out. Bro, they have one of the biggest esports in uh, in the industry, um, like third party uh, broad uh, podcasts on a mm -hmm. dying ass game, man. Like, and they have uh, proven that it can work again. So, I don't know. The the volume is just not there. It's not within a magnitude what what these other uh, people pull. It's not to say that they couldn't get there, but why, like, the value proposition there is very hard to justify un unless, like, I don't know, like, Sideshow and Brand asked for, like, seven figures or some dumb shit, right? Sure, so, yeah. Um, it's, go ahead. So, yeah, I, I think, like, it's not all bad because, yes, people can step up. Um, I mm. hope especially those people do. If you don't promote them, at what, at what point... Like this is also a signal of like, okay, the most definitely most qualified people in the second row that have been slighted for the longest time are not getting the call up, and now you, that's not nah. Like if that was not to happen, you are not getting any uh, developmental talent that of quality in this game, even if Overwatch two hits right, because you're sending a signal that like it's basically by the mercy of the gods. You can't grind up there. That I hate hmm. that aspect as well. So, um, even though I will say it shouldn't be just on grind, it should also be on quality of broadcast. Um, but I think in terms of like, especially Lemon, 
I, I would highlight mm -hmm. her there. Her ability to attract an audience by herself, by the metrics that I've seen, is probably pretty well established. And if you were to give her more of a platform by having her on a broadcast, I'm, I'm pretty certain she'd, she'd amass an audience. More so than some of the other highest from Asia did. Um, so the... Um, yeah, where that does that leave us? And just sort of to end my rant, I think it's massively unfortunate. I think there's a high chance we're just losing um, some of the best talent we've had, some of the most mm, ease, like people that grew up with us and alongside us. And I should have caveated this because I've known these guys for a long time, dude. Like, I remember at TakeOver 2, just, like, standing behind Sacha and Bren, and Bren is like, should we steal the trophy? It would be funny, right? That was, like, 2016, 17 or something, right? Pre-Al. Mm -hmm. um, these guys have been on shenanigans ever since, right? And um, if they were actually to exit, and let's be honest, like, if that, like, all it takes for them to eject from Overwatch themselves is like another esports that they could start grinding into that has wide scale appeal because they can do it. They've proven mm -hmm. that that ability in Valorant as well, right? Sure. Um, I'm sure Riot also has has an idea about them, even though like their hiring practices in itself could be problematic and random. So maybe not. What do I know? Um, but I mean. Long story short, big loss. Uh, not necessarily a fumble. Will hurt her a lot. Mm -hmm. Talent after that definitely needs time to grow in a very crucial season. And hopefully they can create value for us uh, outside, which is determined by the hands that the broadcast is willing to offer. And I hope if Kevin Hitt's um, report is true, which I have no doubt because it's Kevin Hitt, mm -hmm. um, that that production side extends a hand to guys like this so we don't lose them. Yeah. In in some facet. Obviously, it probably won't necessarily be like mega integrated, maybe some collaborations here or there, but I think it just creates another platform to view this through. It just as another lens, right? And I think that's, if anything... One of the biggest flaws that we've had is there there have been so so such small other ways to view the game, right? Like the, the co-streams, while they have been there, and, and I don't mean to, you know, under underhand or under, you know, undercut any of these other people. When you have so, like two huge platforms, I think that only serves to grow the the audience and, and serve the audience in the best way possible. Um, I'd agree with, you know, your your comment regarding the Kevin Hit report. Um, and, and yeah, I think if you subscribe to the idea that Overwatch 2 generally um, has some optimistic air about it, um, I, I don't think these guys will be too far off. Maybe not our not their main game by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think there's st still a lot of potential there to uh, to do some really cool things um, in more creative ways than I think maybe the broadcast would have even allowed. So, yeah, uh, last comments for me. Pretty positive. Again, sad to see him go, but excited for what comes next from them. Cool. Yeah. Kevin hit report, huh? Esports engine. Uh, so, um, 
Any comment? Do you have any any final thoughts on that? No, but I before we move away. No, no. I think we we sort of sort of found the segue into the report because I think mm -hmm. that that's that might be something that might be interesting. There's some tea leaf reading, which I once again I have no uh, background in on, but I mean we'll see where it goes. Okay, so. Moving away now, again, uh, best wishes for Sideshow and Brenner as they move into the new chapter of their careers. Let's talk about the other bit of news that did drop in the week. You mentioned a few times now the Kevin Hit report. What, what is that? Headline, sources, Activision Blizzard to farm out ops for Overwatch League. Activision Blizzard is not a, not a very long article, so I might as well read the whole thing. Activision Blizzard will likely farm out operations for its Overwatch League to a third party. The development comes in the wake of Activision bringing on eSports Engine this season to run its Call of Duty League. Overwatch League started in 2018 and CDL started in 2020 and been produced and broadcast by Activision Blizzard since their respective inceptions. The move to third parties also comes amid Microsoft plans to acquire Activision. Microsoft is already using a third party eSports Engine in this case to operate the relaunch of its Halo Championship Series. With the news that ESL and Faceit, the largest tournament organizers in the space, will merge into ESL Faceit Group after a purchase by Savvy Gaming Group for $1.5 it looks to be more movement and investment to the third-party operator space as it relates to esports production. So that is verbatim, quote for quote, exactly what Kevin Hint wrote. Again, not a very long article. Um, if you want to go check it out, you can as well. But you know, basically everything I just said is exactly what the article entails. So let's break this down piece by piece here. What, is, what does farm out mean? So does any Yiska maybe, uh, who wants to sort of tackle like the definition of what farm out ops specifically means here? That's, that's a great question because I feel like everybody has their own like interpretation of like what that means because it doesn't like, it's not clear. It is very vague where it's just like, okay, are we sowing the seeds and testing the field to see what buyers may be out there who might be interested in it are we working on a deal like are we like tilling the land with esports engine to build a deal like am, am i wrong in thinking this is just kind of vague what's farm like what word would you use instead of farm is there I, is there a synonym guess, for farm here my issue is that, like, I don't know because I don't. <sighs> it's tough. What, like, what about outsource? I don't, I don't... Is that not a thing that people say anymore? Outsource? Yeah, I would say outsource. Farm is tough, but not to be pedantic, mm -hmm. as I tend to. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a little vague. Okay. I think that's the point of the language almost. I feel like. Sure. Maybe Kevin or his editor would probably not use that word unless it has had some ambiguity to it. Um, maybe it's purposely is, ambiguous. I'm not sure if that was. I mean, uh, there's so many layers or ways yeah. ambiguity could be used here. It could be like maybe the source just like used that phrase, and um. But then again, you would have a second or third source sort of backing that up, which would help you to shape the understanding of that. Maybe there is no clear for, uh, situation or understanding of what that might entail, and you want to, to uh, catch all term that 
incorporates all the possibilities that it mm. might have. Um, so, yeah. I mean, one of the possibilities is outsource is obviously one of them, which is probably the most straightforward one. I'd say the most likely one, if everything goes through the way it sounds like it might go through. Um, I, I mean, I don't even know what other options there would be. Like, it just seems like outsource is the most obvious choice of, of any particular option for what this all means. So I, I think we can just be pretty safe in assuming yeah. it means Activision Blizzard intend to outsource mm. operations of the Overwatch League. Now, I think the next question... Yeah, continue. Now, operations is, a, is also an interesting term, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, what, to what degree? Because I, I think we kind of talked about this yeah. pre-show as well. It's like, well, 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 how much of the operation? Because you have different layers and different tiers and this isn't like cdl where cdl just operates in north america you have an entire apac broadcast and part of this that is kind of separate like i mean the apac side of the broadcast you have to liaise and work with the china and korea teams i'm not talking about the franchise i'm talking about mm. the broadcast teams and the blizzard offices regionally over there where they handle a lot as well and they have their own you know, language broadcast. Koreans have the Korean language broadcast. China has a China language broadcast, and that China language broadcast is pretty huge in terms of what they're achieving because they do like massive studio stuff with everybody on on site, on location. Mm. Um, you know, and they they also cast in Chinese Mandarin over the the NA games as well, and and what I'm sure is probably like really awkward hours for them. But um, yeah, yes. that wouldn't. That's not. For example, that would not be going to esports engine. Esports engine isn't flying yeah, over to course. China to manage that. So you know, this is so many different pieces of the puzzle here. So like, just saying ops, like, what is how much? What does that mean? It's it is quite vague as well. I think to your point, this does kind of signal, or maybe this is better posed as a question. Like, does this not signal a similar like mirroring report for the APAC region? that I think is a little bit more feasible, understandable and saying like, look, all of the numbers seemingly are pointing towards Asia. There seemingly is a larger Asian market than there is in, in the West. Um, that shouldn't be too much trouble. I would guess that to, to have somebody uh, either collaborate or can take full control of operations for the Overwatch League oh, in the that's APAC not region. Happening. You don't no, think that's so? not happening. Okay. No way. It's already a third party. That's already like, I don't. I want to know if it's. I'm, I don't want to speak factually on something I'm not a hundred percent on. But it's like okay. that's already being run and operated as out, like as, uh, outside of the the NA production. Like that's this totally different team. You know, like when there's zero percent chance that esports engine is fucking operating well, the China broadcast. Of course, no, no, no. Yeah, that's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm what I'm saying is that like in in the same way that. Blizzard, Activision Blizzard is looking at, you know, potential logistics operators for NA. They may be looking for a an Asia counterpart for APAC. I'm pretty sure that's already the case. Okay. Then that's just my Again, opinion. that's that's a pretty sure from me and not a one hundred percent absolute absolute sure. That's a it's speculative on my part. But um I the way I look at this is if you mm. looked at CDL kickoff, which is the preseason event that just happened for the cdl that was in esports uh, arena arlington which i th think is now partnered with envy aka mm. dallas field they ran land for that they ran a full land event 
you know, with audience and everything, players obviously playing on LAN. Prior to that, I'm fairly certain, correct me if I'm wrong, but Esports Engine also did the NYXL homestand back in 2020. So they they have a lot of experience. I mean, this is Esports Engine, for people that don't know, is like MLG. Basically, the same person on MLG. It's Adam Abicella. It's, you know, this is MLG staff basically starting a new company that's not called MLG, but spiritually it is the successor of you can see in that way um and they've been running true live events and i can see it in in a way where like depending on again how deep is the operations going to run like do they take over everything or some parts is it maybe just the land parts is it maybe just the live events i the cynic in me it screams like just logistics where yeah you're just taking over like live events where it's just like yeah you know figure it out for us and we'll pay you um which is isn't a bad thing but it's definitely not utilizing the talent that's there um and maybe i'm overstating what they're kind of job is i would guess that they're there's there's more of a creative mind that i think is there um from their years like like avril saying um doing mlg you know and they have such a a mind for speaking to the western esports audience and have done so for for years um with either how they run their events it's i i think there's more there to tap into so i hope it isn't just some sort of logistics partner and and you really can get in there and and work with this this incredible team that has again a resume that literally nobody i think in the west can match outside of like maybe ESL but that's just another you know that's another region entirely so it's it's yeah. a given to take and it's I, not even like 100 i think it's very heavily hinted at that if this were to go through esports engine would be a uh probably a very likely and predictable partner for Ops to be handed to, but uh, you know, at no point did Kevin say it was that that's confirmed or anything. It is confirmed for CDL, but not for what is uh, for Overwatch League. So there could be other bidders in there. We could be seeing the likes of them in this new ESL face it merger could appear. Um, really hard to say, but I don't know if uh, that. That aside, it's it's pretty mm. speculative on like what it actually means. I think the only other thing to talk about is like, do we think it's this is a positive move? Does this improve things? Is it a detriment? Is this a bad idea? Um, I would probably lean positive. No, like this. Seems... I'm still like undecided. I'm still like a little unsure. I'm not too sure. Okay. Could just be a side grade. Could just be like a sideways move. I uh, I'm a pretty neutral on the fence kind of person. Mm, yeah. um or am i like, i don't know and in a lot of things i am and some other things i'm not but here i think i am a little bit on the fence because i i don't i don't know if it is good or bad it's it's a little unknown it's very in unknown territory yeah there's there's still a lot of details and i think and don't let me speak for you but it sounds like that's kind of what we're waiting for is like okay what does this actually look like if this deal was actually to go through what is, what are the details of this you know to what degree is this partnership um is it just running live events which let's face it in the plague years are harder and far and few between right so like how much of a partnership is it really or are we 
you know, kind of not onboarding that that's a little more aggressive than I think is is worth it. But, you know, really utilizing these talented people and, and trying to put on a production that is more uh, accessible uh, to the North American audience. Um, it's interesting. I think, yeah, listening to some of your thought processes, you know, keeps me a little bit more tentative reels me in a little bit because when i hear mlg 16 year old me is like oh my god cool like takes me back to the old dr pepper gaming lounges and you know hot pocket this and stride gum that you know but um yeah i don't know like i i sympathize with the people kind of like how i was just doing you know going and looking at the microsoft deal and looking at esports engine possibly coming in and you know having this weird you know, n- nostalgia trip thinking that Halo and Overwatch and Starcraft is going to be back in the the MLG pro circuit like it used to be, right? Like, obviously, that's probably never going to happen. Um, but it's a fun thought, though. Ishka? Whoops. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am I'm. mean, if it was to be an esports engine, I think uh, Adam sort of, like, hinted maybe that this was at least something that he would like to do in terms of like having FPS in one hall. I'm not sure if that's re- really that 2022 in my uh, estimation. Like he, he had this idea and that very much comes from MLG days for those unaware. Like back in the day, MLG was the event and then tournaments would go to these events. Sort of like how ESL used to be where an ESL event would have uh Dota and uh, and CS:GO and or CS or you know 1.6 or at the same time and whatnot and like several um, events on the circuit and now it's more game focused right and uh, events just like run that one game in in a in a uh, stadium or whatever and it feels like a step back to revert even though I'm not sure if that necessarily is progress, but I think also the overlap of that. Basically, it's it's a very different experience to be watching a match in a stadium like you would uh, in sports or to have like this in- exhibition feel where you're walking around the venue and there that we're playing Halo and there we're playing uh, Overwatch or whatever, right? So I'm not sure if but, that uh... vision is 2022, but yeah. I don't think that sounds appropriate for the pro- I mean, I'm, this is my only, this is my opinion now, but it just seems like where, like, when you have uh, what is meant to be individual, unique, well, I guess uh, you, they are kind of clones of each other, unique in the sense that the, the games are unique, uh, yeah. leagues, you know, it's very much Overwatch does its own thing, Call of Duty does its own thing, trying yes. to, like, put them all under the same roof with halo it's just such a weird thing it's like you you're almost devaluing the brands of everything at the same time uh maybe that's just my take on it uh you really i could see that you'd want to do your own and for and for one it wouldn't it wouldn't be like a proper overwatch league event this would be more like a third party event i feel yeah. like it sounds more like a a thing outside normal league play now could i see a situation where let's say we go to Esports Arena Arlington and we run back-to-back events like weekend number one, CDL is going to run this weekend, then the next weekend Overwatch League is going to come run their games. Now that could happen, 
just because logistically that saves you money and that makes sense um you know to sort of hash it all out and 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 do it all together back to back like that but they're still individual events it's not like some big gaming festival like it used to be i don't know it is very old school in a way of thinking and i think in a lot of ways uh we've moved past that now i, I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a good brand exercise to do that kind of thing in the current state like it it almost devalues all the different games instead of just like the all the games should hypothetically be big enough that they they should have their own event where they are the flagship you know yeah i agree um it was i'm not sure maybe it's just like very nostalgic of these people that created it at that time maybe that time has passed i will say they have very few things that would bring me more joy than like Overwatch players and COD players cross-pollinating every once in a while. And some of that asks you to rub off on our uh, professionals because, man, do yeah. CDL I, players go ham. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure all of our Korean Overwatch League players will have a lot of great time talking to the United States uh, Call of Duty players and they're going to cross paths plenty. And that'll mean, definitely happen. The, 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 uh, the trickle-down effect is... Uh, COD chats talk to Overwatch League you, uh, Americans or like English speakers and then that yeah. attitude trickles into the team atmosphere and suddenly we have a players union you know <laughs> like it's, it's that's oh not yeah what, that's what it'll take yo, yo, yo instantly we have a players union okay no, so no, all the western what players what's going to happen <laughs> you know what, what is because it hasn't happened in COD but you know what, what else like these guys don't understand how much leverage they have, or they understand too well. I'm not sure, but like the individual, like Crim6 argues for points as if every single player could just walk if like Activision pissed him off, right? Like it's, the amount of leverage or like no care in the world he applies to statements, even inflammatory ones, is insane, right? And he just takes that one. And we, we've had zero professionals that had any. Like, we're going to play that card whatsoever, right? Like, I think that's also only some some confidence and also some platform that uh, years of being a professional player breeds. Like, they, the difference between, like, Overwatch League players and CS and COD in, in terms of, like, business maturity is insane. Like, it's night and day, right? Um so I, I'd like to uh, for that experience, but like that's really such a minor point. And I think yes, it generally would cut, like, it would take away from that. It's also not sure. Like the franchises aren't directly related. Like yes, some some teams have the same locations and whatnot, right? Um, but what like can COD be played in Seoul? Like can you get a venue and play COD there? Kind of, kind of hot, right? Um, so is it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, just like the the dumb logistics of it, right? Like, yeah, of course you'd probably be able to get like a copy of the game and install it and play yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's that. I mean, that's possible. But that. do you get more than five asses in a seat? Exactly. Yeah, that's the question, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I think it can have a lot of positive, like. <sighs> Like the more endemic talent uh, that has been filtered out to do good production by the pressure of the market, like or the interests of the fans is another word for it, then the more likely we are to get what we want. Um 
And I think to a decent degree, we saw how how sluggish official or other developer-sided things can move. Then again, mm. there's only so much leak ops or like operations, whatever that entails, could do. Our problem was barely ever that, even though there are problems with that, but we don't even get to care about them because the game is so shit, right? Like, mm. So once we figured that out, maybe that will come into the forefront where we have the I next um, thing to tackle, right? I don't see this as like a positive unless the third party that ends up taking over operations gets a lot of creative control and use that creative control to do really cool things yeah and beyond that as well the where things are currently at would have to be very stale and refuse to move forward and then a third party takes over and actually starts moving forward right that would be a win however the way things are currently especially how last season played out the broadcast was better than ever. I think new ideas were flowing in. Um, there was a lot of forward movement in developing the style, the tone in a, in a better direction, um, and just general improvements to the broadcast. Like this is a high quality broadcast. I mean, fuck's sake, you you have Richard Lewis doing a forty minute video where he shits on the league, but he'll still easily admit that the broadcast itself is actually pretty good, right? There's a lot of other issues that you can say, like, oh, yeah, these things are not good. But I think like you even have someone that's probably one of the most critical people of the entire league still say, actually, the broadcast quality, you know, the people on it and the way they display the broadcast is decent. He said that in his video. You can check it out. Um, and so I, I think we've had some great movements. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know that going to a third party necessarily is going to... Like, we're, I think we're already, on a, we're already on a great track. Sure. Like, is it necessarily... Is it... Uh, like, Really, to me, and it can only get worse if it goes to somebody else. Maybe I'm being a little bit too protective in that kind of sense, and we don't even have enough information on that, A, if it is actually going to happen, and B, how much control is going to be given or taken away or maintained, because mm. there's still a world where it's just a pure white label. The third party has no creative control, and they, they simply yeah. exist to fulfill a brief in that sense. Right? Creative control is maintained within the current league itself between certain important people that make those decisions. Um, and then they utilize the raw manpower and the raw, like, you know, uh, just the workhorse of, of the third party to execute the vision and the plan. But the vision and plan still is retained internally. And that's... I agreed there, 100%. And I guess... It's just a constant like reminder for me that we are going into a new game. So I wonder if that also plays a role in this in, you know, looking at. Yes, we did some successful things with the Overwatch League with the life cycle that was Overwatch one. That was great. Um, but is there room for positive change or maybe a, a fresh set of eyes to come in with a third party to say, hey, look, like this is maybe how we would do it. You can take what you want from that, but. You know, just at least having an added creative voice maybe would be, I don't know, I think remotely positive. I think it's a good thing if it was just a white label with like an extra, you know, I guess meaningless vouch in some ways. Um, but yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, approach tentatively and, and I would also, details. I would also like to see if that does happen for them to absorb some of the staff currently involved with the production side of the league now because you know mm. the people i work with it's not just because i work with them uh and i, I have some sort of specific loyalty uh, but 
I just think everyone did a good job. You know, I, I don't want, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if something is currently working, don't like try and fix what isn't broken. If anyone knows me, like I've, there's like, one of my repeated phrases is just like, don't reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Something there and it works. Like, don't fuck with it. Just stay away. Like, it works. Don't touch it. Like, you can only make it worse if you can only make something that that's good worse if it like if you come in and change something when it was already good. And we, you know, you can people can say what they want about the state of the game, the state of development, and X or Y other reasons and ah uh, long off season, blah 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 blah. But when the season starts and the stream begins and you watch the broadcast. All of that kind of stuff has like been massively improved, and I can you know internally as well. Like I can feel it. I can I can see it. It's it's very tangible to me. Um, and the people that I work with internally in the last season, the you know things were very smooth, and it was it was good to work with them. So I I'd like to see people retain, and that that even goes to towards like observing staff because if you're not, let's say for example, you know operations goes to a third party and they take all broadcast responsibilities if you're not directly just importing the overwatch the current overwatch league observers who are you getting because whoever you're getting they're not the overwatch league observers and hypothetically that means they're worse so how is that an improvement that that can that can only be a downgrade right and that's only one part of the stuff yeah thing is i think and they outsourced Oh, anyway, already? No, they're internal. They 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 work in the the entire Overwatch League is done internally. Yeah, I think at I, least on the they, NA side, I think they are freelance though. But yeah, I mean that's still yeah, but yeah. They're not they're not outsourced to like some observing company. They're yes. like they're freelance. Like I'm a freelancer. Yeah, I'm a freelance contract. They're contracted specifically to the league and they work directly for the league. Yeah. No. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, wait and see what all of this means. Like you mentioned yesterday, Kevin Head is a pretty reliable source, and something must be along the lines for this article to even be released. But at the same time, we've all kind of noted that it is fairly ambiguous in some of its language choices, probably on purpose because there's a lot of undecided things in there. Um, the fact that CDL is already working with Esports Engine says a lot about this being rather accurate take or an accurate article an accurate report being that there is a precedent set among activision blizzard esports and then beyond that also microsoft esports even though the whole microsoft thing doesn't really enter the equation for esports in activision blizzard at least in my opinion until we're closer to finalizing a merger like we're so we're such an early stage now i i, I don't see a case where microsoft rolls up today and be like right this is what we do in the overwatch league now like this that's not what's happening. That, that that cannot be happening. So, um, as things are, we still got three-ish months. We just started Feb. We got three-ish months until the start of the league. Um, there's room for these decisions to be made in that amount of time. So, yeah, timeline-wise, it makes sense as well. It's not like we're so close to the start that, like, we're just going to do this rapid swap to a third party now. Um... I think this the article is pretty legit, so you know we'll we'll see what happens with it. Yep. Okay. Well, next bit of news. What do we have here? We're going to be talking about some actual player movement now. 
Oh, actually, before we do that, we're going to address Fusion and where their roster is currently at and what they're planning to do with their roster. So they've announced open trials for coach and support, mm. uh, while also at the same time signing a support in Fixer from Uprising Academy. So they'll be looking for another support. Let me actually just get their roster up to see who they currently have and what they need. So they have Fixer and Aim Gods. They're looking for a third support. Mm. Um, I would have to guess it's a flex support they're looking for, or at least someone that's flex enough to flexible enough to play both both positions. And they're looking for another coach. They currently have Jin and Chara. Yeah, I could see them putting in a third coach. I think a lot of teams run with three coaches. You know, one head coach, two assistant coaches, or one head coach, one assistant coach, and one player coach. A play coach meaning like a more positional, direct coach that works with players on a on a more specific your role kind of what you need to do as an individual versus more of a macro kind of deal. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, the coach part makes a lot of sense. But they're running open trials pretty late, and they will also be running the open trials on presumably it's going to have to be Overwatch One. I say presumably because I was thinking, are they going to maybe do like a five v five workshop code or just do regular overwatch 6v6 uh whatever it is it will be on overwatch one so at this stage because the game it seems like whatever beta build of the game the team's supposed to be playing it is still far enough away fusion are like fuck it we gotta get somebody now so they're just gonna start trialing uh, this is this feels like a red flag to me um not not that Fixa is a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I can't comment um, when I did do some preliminary research going into the contenders community, asking around. Not a name that jumped out, but when you look at the pedigree of that team, um, namely Uprising Academy, um, was very successful. Easily, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm speaking too out of school to say arguably uh, second best team in NA. Uh, at, at points in time mm-hmm. um, or at least could compete for it right um, so he he does have a positive track record um, I guess my concerns are more just Philly as a whole the more I see this team kind of built out the more I can't shake this 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 overwhelming sense of Toronto dread where like the team just kind of feels good like yeah this team looks good on paper it seems all right coaches have some success previously and then they go out and then they're just like the most milk toast like fine you know what i mean like it ah, there's nothing yes you know i think everybody's like oh my god fury yeah 100 percent. yeah you can have a really good player on like a really just mediocre team and that's fine but like it just is weird to see fusion in that light um with some of their 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 how close they've gotten previously in these last couple of years, you look at twenty twenty and how how close they were to some of these finals and and, and obviously almost winning them, right? Sure. I don't know if this team can do that as it stands nope. right now. Obviously, Herdy Dur Overwatch Two, we don't know. Hand wave, hand wave. I'm gonna I straight up tell you, I don't know if this team can do it. I, I don't know if I'm not as big on MN three. I'm very ignorant. I will I will. You know, that's an implicit bias of mine. I don't know much about him. I've seen Carpe with these last few years. I have not been impressed. I like Fury. 
I think aim God has some room to kind of reinstate himself as, you know, into the conversation of flex supports. It, I just don't know. Not how it comes together. That's just so trite, kind of overdone, but I don't know. It's there's something about this team that just doesn't sit like well with me as like a top contender. It's because they have a lot of rookies and for a lot of people, there's those unknown yeah. factors and they don't have the veteran big name talents to back them up. And so people are unsure. That's the reason. Mm, yeah, that definitely kind of resonates for sure. Yeah, I know. Fusion feels like uh, they I think like the framing of having it feel Toronto esque is pretty accurate for me. I will say, mm. um, doesn't it feel that way? Yeah, like, like, a team that like should be positive and should do well, but like you look at the teams that they're competing against, especially in their own region, it's just like I don't know, man. Do they beat? Do they beat Chengdu? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Do they compete with Spark? Probably, but it's, like it's because Fusion are just an unknown factor because it's hard yeah. to quantify where they sit. Like for me, it would be hard to rank, and I I know their players a little bit more intimately in terms of mm. what their results are. Like, okay, I didn't see any effects in Uprising Academy, but from his time in T1, because people might not remember this, but he used to be on T1, which is Philly's academy team, which is his link to Philly, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, that phase of T1 when he was on it was a pretty bad team. They did really, really poorly. They were one of the worst teams in Contender's career. Okay. Uh, it wasn't until this last year when they upgraded their roster and moved stuff around that they became one of the top teams instead. So huge 180 turnaround, mm -hmm. but Fixer was on the bad version T1. I'm not saying it's his fault, but he, like the rest of that T1 roster that had come and gone, did not impress at all. And, and Fixer did nothing to really give me a good impression. It's probably an unfair judgment of mine to pass on because he might have he might have improved drastically or maybe not even improved but just had the opportunity to show himself off and his capability on uprising academy but i just didn't see that on uprising mm. academy because i never watched them so there's been a full year two seasons worth of gameplay from fixer that i just not have not caught up on sure. where easily he could have been a much better player even though he could have he could have been mediocre on t1 but then have been exceptional on uprising academy and it would be hard for me to only judge him off his T1 uh, results and performance in, in, instead of taking into account in everything. So people that, in, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Joe, but people that were following NA contenders and you know did watch Uprising Academy and did see Fixer, I think they had a positive, generally positive reaction to that team. I don't know, mm -hmm. maybe sp oh, specifically Fixer, but I, I know everyone talks positively, positively about uh, Uprising Academy. So... Mm. I don't know if that's like a free pass for Fixer. I don't give a lot of free passes, but I'll I'll give people benefit the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Um, but beyond that, one last comment because I think you am I wrong in in remembering that you kind of were were looking at maybe like a second flex support to kind of round out the team. I mean, I I'm only saying that because Fusion are doing an open trial for support. Okay. Yeah. Which is a couple of things is A, they don't have a support lined up in their mind on a short list. Mm. Uh so unlike, you know, Sanguina, unless Sanguina has been picked up elsewhere. Or, you know, I think people wanted to see Jexa. I don't know what's going on with Jexa. Um the other the second thing it says is that 
they're not announcing an open trial for the other positions, other positions namely being Tank, of which they only had Fury, and if they're willing to get three supports, there is no way in hell they yeah, only they keep one Tank. They are definitely getting two Tanks. If you got room to get three supports, you got room for two Tanks. There is no world where there's an option, like, we can only get one more player. Should we get a second Tank right. or a third support? You actually choose three supports. That's stupid. No one would do that. So... They are getting another tank, but that tank has not been listed onto Open Trial, which says to me implicitly that they do have a shortlist for tanks. And they got someone, they got a few people they're trying that they have interest in mm. uh, as an aside. So that's partially exciting. Don't know who they could be looking at, but the list is long. I mean, um, how old is Belisaria? Because he was the T1 Academy player, and Philly this season have been pretty keen on getting a bunch of their. Yep. Academy's mm. coming on in. Um, yeah, Bellastry is 18, so, you know, could be the case. Who knows? Yeah. I think looking at that support position, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, doing some some minor leg work in, in NA. Uh, Fixa definitely wasn't a name that jumped out, but somebody, one of his teammates who was, who was kind of like low-key, you know, I think this guy could be, like, really, really good, was simple. Like, apparently like the next big from my memory of the conversation mm -hmm. it was somebody who you know was like yeah man like this is the guy you want to watch out for like this is like iris kind of vibes like not a lot of people know about him but like expect big things if he ever gets in so like maybe that could be I'm, a lane i'm the only person that is not like super big on simple i'm not saying he's bad i'm just saying like mm. i didn't see the hype okay like to me, like Finn is like boom, he's your top player. Like that's oh, the guy sure. you want to look at. And people that, are talking about simple. People are talking about simple. I'm like, how is this how are people talking about simple? And then in, in the same conversation as the the real tops like Vigilante mm -hmm. Finn. I'm just like, yeah. I, just, I didn't see it. I personally didn't see it. Maybe maybe again people like plays like Simple and Fixer and Uprising Academy just had a much better time and that was just a successful team and they Absolutely. had a good result there. Uh but I just didn't I, I didn't see it in Korea. Mm. that's my opinion that's fair yeah, yeah definitely could be a, a <laughs> i don't think it's too harmful to say maybe a weaker region got to you know showcase a little bit more um let's frame it that way but yeah i think that's reasonable got to smack some na's na nerds uh, around um was there a deadline on this open trial. Let me just take a look again. Let's tweet. Okay. I haven't actually looked at the Google form yet, so I'm going to open the Google form. <laughs> and yeah, they ask for all the standard stuff. Uh, I don't believe there's a time period listed. Maybe it would come down to when this... Um, form is becomes unavailable i don't know if that date is there somewhere but i find it very interesting that they've gone the open route because like what do you what are you really gonna find? is there is there really gonna be some sort of hidden talent in the an open trial that you're not who, who by the way needs to be 18 mm. who's undiscovered because here's the other thing is usually when you do open trials like this you're looking for like a young player under 18 who's undiscovered yeah. they're like maybe a god on ranked the, the thing is, especially in a place like Korea, and they're definitely going to get a Korean talent. You know, we can just rule out any other yeah. any other nationality that's 100% going to be Korean. 
um we know who the up and coming towns it's guys like bliss right so it's under underage guys like uh, like that or vigilante who's about to be 18 they're known factors so even these like ranked gods who people don't know about you know about them pretty quickly because everyone recruiting for the contenders teams is already scouring underage mm. talented players off a ranked and stuff like that already so i don't know who they're gonna find on an open trial that's not a known quantity like yeah. and maybe it's just like oh well we'll just see what happens but then at the end of the day you're just going to have the same shortlist you land on any on anyway if you actually think about this if you were functionally to write down a shortlist of every single good support in korea over the age of 18 and then you did this trial i would be hard pressed to believe that those two lists weren't exactly the same afterwards yeah. Like you already know, you already know who the best players over eighteen and eligible are in Korea. Really, like I don't know what you could possibly find in an open trial that you yeah. don't already know exists, unless it's like literally some Jonak player yeah. who's eighteen yeah. and no one knows about them. And if that's the case, then let me tell you, every single contenders Korea team has failed to scout. Their scouting is atrocious if that, if that player exists. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. And I don't believe that. I don't believe this case because Genji do amazing scouting. They pick up. That's like he they got the hands and everything. Yeah, Genji, Element Mystic, they do fantastic scouting. Like mm-hmm. the scouting in Korea, I mean, I think O2 do good scouting as well. These guys do great things. Like they discover fantastic rookies all the time. So you could not convince me that there is a Jovanak level player out there that's just un, just completely untapped that no one's seen before. That person doesn't exist. So I, I, I don't want to be rude about it, but it feels like an open trial is a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think. Yeah. The thing is, maybe the remaining talent is so meh that you might as well, you know. Um, is that to, not to like land at the concerning same though? You just land at the same result. Your shortlist before you go into the trials and your shortlist after the trials is the exact same people. Yeah. So like, be, you've yeah. literally wasted your time. It should be, but yeah, I'm not sure. It's. Uh, I don't know. And that's why I don't feel particularly great about this team at the moment. Mm. Mm. The thing is... Coaches, I, I understand coaches, because you can you can get coaches from anywhere. You could, I mean, maybe if they want to get real frisky, they can get a Chinese coach who maybe has a bit of uh, Korean there. They could get, uh, you know, maybe even an NA coach. I mean, it's possible. I mean, Philly have worked with... I mean, that feels a little bit bad if they... You don't get Christopher back and then they get some other, you know, right. Western guy to come in. But um the, there could be there could be some non some coaches working in other regions. Maybe you're a Korean coach working in another region. I don't know. It's 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 more like an open call to be like, hey, we are hiring a coach. If you are currently a free agent or you're on a team and you want to leave your team, please contact us rather than like we're going to run some trials for coaches. Maybe they will do that anyway, but it's more like they're announcing they're looking for a coach. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you announce you're doing an open trial for players, you have to then functionally do these like, you know, fake 6v6 games or whatever, the, whatever maybe workshop code, whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. and actually, you know, do that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's just... Seems a little weird. The coach I get, the, the player trial I don't. This is... Yep. This is like, it feels like a, a cry for help. And the question that they're asking is, is there really nobody better than Jexy? 
I don't think they're going to get a second main support. Yeah, of no. What they need is a second flex sorry, support. Sorry, sorry, if they're yeah, getting a... You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing is, okay, here's one thing. He is not eligible at the start of the season, technically speaking. I'm not sure if you would care who, about who? this two weeks. Fixer? Fixer, Fixer yeah. Oh my god, why have they done this? <laughs> it's just two weeks, I think. And maybe they're not even playing okay. the first one. Um, right. But... Um, sorry, like... The thing is, flex support is maybe the role... Maybe... Okay, here's the weird one. You ready? Maybe you need a role swap guy. And maybe there is someone like that. Uh, You gotta get a role swap guy? That's like, who... Really? Who? What's more of a gamble, the rookie or the role swap? Just like an, as a, like an archetype. Right, it could be the same person. That's Depends not mutually exclusive either. Level. I don't know. I guess. Like, that's... It feels like such a crapshoot, though. Like, I think there are there are there are a lot of people that I think would benefit from role swapping and probably would find a lot of success, like career wise. But like, I don't know if that translates. I don't even know if you can view the same like that might that might on paper say the same name. But like, that's a different player. I don't know. I. Uh, I don't I wouldn't rule it out. But why would you need an open trial? to? to I mean, I guess maybe that would be the best the only avenue to see that i don't know that's that is a bizarre one that's that's a that's a creative take i'm not mad at it but i don't know okay then the question clearly is is there really nobody better than kareev <laughs> kareev is retired he's going to the military he can't play right uh, jesus is a hate yeah, you, really to mean, do, you had to really do I Kareem mean, dirty like that. I mean, I, I thought this guy had or should have retired the season ago, but apparently yeah, he's he, fucking he, unbreakable. God. Why wow, you wanna you wanna like have a go at the dude for getting a bag? Come on, Guangzhou wanna give him a bag, he's gonna take no, it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hating on him for taking that bag. <laughs> Alright, well you can talk to Eddie Meng about it then. He'll, he'll ask you all questions <laughs> about what is going on there. <laughs> Or <laughs> right, right to the Guangzhou complaints department <laughs> about wait, wait, that. Where was he beforehand? Toronto. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember? Oh, just went to the shock. Ah. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, fuck. Too funny. You think Twilight God can fill these shoes? Kareev shoes? I don't know, man. That's tough. Roll star Kareev, baby. Man. <sighs> what a time to be alive. You guys are too mean about Kareev. I uh, I still have fond rose tinted memories. I, I don't uh, hate Kareev. Kareev. I hate everybody's like weird obsession oh. with him. Yes. He is he's the most That's exactly like, the point. Yeah. Bolstered, like larger than life, windmill esque like character in this in, yeah. in our community it's for because, the longest time. Because he had to it's because he had to retire his number seven jersey for the whole Valiant We Are Seven thing, only for Crystal to come into the number seven anyway. So, yeah. um, <laughs> like a year or two later. Um, all right. So, no further comments on Fusion or Fixer. I don't really have more yeah. to say about I I wish I watched a bit more in a contenders to get a better gauge. Yeah. I um, but, but I just, you know. Again, my excuses. I already do. I already last year. I already did three contenders regions and Overwatch league. So, cut me, cut me some slack. All right. Yeah. I, I already watched. I already watched more Overwatch generally than ninety nine point nine nine percent of people. So y'all can cut me some slack. Mm. Um, that aside, 
another player. This one's a rumored player. So this is not a, a, a player announcement, but Halo dropped a bit of a leak today. He dropped a real fatty leak. XC to Valiant. Holy Jesus Christ. I don't know how to react to that. So give me a second to think about it and you guys can go first. It it is bizarre. Like initial things are like, oh cool, XC found a home. But it's with Dia on the Valiant. <sighs> well, Joe, we know they have beef, so they can't know they know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like trying to figure out trying to figure out why you specify Dia there. Like, no, it, it, it's just like they feel kind of like the same player. Do they not? You're talking about a role. Yeah, well. Yeah. How and is it's that not, different? It's not like a, how is that not, different from Spot getting Pineapple Shy or Dallas getting Gurrier and Edison and, you know, or what other team is for DPS? I guess it's it just in my mind, like, the way that I saw this team filtering out was different. Um, I guess there's nothing wrong with going for, like, and you're seeing this, like you're saying, with other teams where you're opting for a double hit scan instead of, like, a a safer, not even a safer base, but, like, a, a hit scan of flex and another flex rather than, like, two hit scans and a flex. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't hate it. It's definitely, it's mostly positive. Um, I think I'm with you in trying to understand it. Um, <laughs> as, as boring as it is. I do kind of trust no hill, so I'm willing to wait and see, but I, is it a hit scan preference for him? Does he think that like hit scan is just going to be really good in overwatch too? And he wants him like a dynamic core to pull from. Maybe. I don't know. I think he's just got a bit of extra budget and he's like, yo, I can, I can flex and afford an extra player on the DPS if I want. That would be, and he's just, and he's just gone ahead and done it. It's the only reason it's strange is because the order of operations mm. you'd expect them to pick up a tank and announce the tank officially. Yeah. We we know Wu Hell is like kind of half rumored to be their tank player, at least a substitute tank player by what we know. Mm. But that still means that a well, this still means they need another tank player to because Wu Hell is not going to be a starter. He's meant to be coaching and, and and playing as a backup in the tank position, which means somebody else has to start. But even if Wu Hell was a starter. You would still want a second tank anyway, because mo like every other team yep. is going two tanks just to hedge their bets because you just you don't know who's gonna be the good tanker. You don't want to be stuck as that team that didn't have the options for tanks and now you're screwed. Um so they've kind of done things in a weird order. That doesn't mean that behind the scenes they don't have other deals or negotiations happening. Like it could very well be that Valiant have actually locked down another tank already. But they just haven't signed it yet. They just haven't gone through all the legal pro legal processes. But they happen to lock down uh, XC afterwards. But for whatever reason, that's just expedited. Or I don't know. May maybe they haven't finished trialing tanks, but they're just pretty happy with XC. We all know that XC was very keen to come back to the league. He he made it very publicly known that he wanted another uh, another attempt. He felt like he was still good enough. No Hill noticed that. Seem to agree, but now Valiant have four DPSs. My questions go towards not in the sense of how they're building the roster, but mm -hmm. more in the sense of like how how have they suddenly just got this money to have a huge right. roster? Because four DPSs plus coldest plus do they have a main support yet? 
Let's take or a am look. I? I don't. Um, sorry, I think there's okay. maybe some rumors about them. But. So anyway, four DPSs, two supports, thirty-six players, two tanks means they're going eight players, and and this is assuming they don't go for like a third support or anything. So, right. um, they're they're definitely. And I I said they were going. So Linkser has been rumored. That's right. We talked about it last week. Totally forgot. Linkser has been rumored to be the other support for the LA Valley. But the point is, in terms of roster size, we're basically guaranteeing eight players now because you need two supports. You, if you don't want to be stupid, you need two tanks as well. And they've decided to go four DPS. Whereas I had assumed that the Valiant strategy was going to be seven players, not eight. And now more than ever, if you're a team like Fusion and NYXL, again, if Valiant are going eight players, what are you doing with your team? It is strange. Yeah, it, it feels like this team was supposed to be lean and mean, and it's turning out to be a little bit thicker than I think thick we and mean. expected. Yeah, lean and mean to thick and mean. And I'm <laughs> Just not mean with a bit more backbone. It, it, it is. It is definitely mean. Um, it looks good. Like in a weird way, I'm kind of excited to see the Valiant not just be a meme team again. Um. If obviously reports go as uh, as they you know should, um, yeah, it, it seems like they're again genuinely gonna be like a pretty think, good uh, team. The only report that went awry was the Easy Han to Houston report, right? Was that an official report? I think it was, was like, a, hey, they are talking. Ah, uh, okay, so it's it wasn't like a Halo certified mm -hmm. leak. It was more like. No sources. There, there. Yeah, they were just having some had some chit chats. But, you know, no one, no one had gone back for the Netflix and chill yet. So, Valiant. Now looking at this team, you have to come to terms with the fact that one of Dia or Exe is probably going to be benched unless yeah. we see a double hit scan meta. One of these guys is going to be benched. Yep. Unlucky. Little bit, little bit, but you've got a lot to pull from, so that only that only serves to benefit, I think, everybody. Um, if if we, the the less bad teams, the better for everybody. I'll I'll say that. So if it comes at the cost of somebody not seeing a ton of play time, mm. kind of okay with that. And look, you know, every time X he doesn't want to play Ash, Dia can step up to the plate, so that works as there well. There you go. And we can there do that. Go. Um, in any time being every time, so that's fine. Um, mm. they still got two flex DPSs. I still question innovations here, Paul, a little bit. But Becky can cover most of the things they need. Yeah, and yeah, I mean it's a good, it's a, it's a good pickup. Not gonna lie. Yeah, excited to see. I like it's the good. more, the more that this kind of rolls out, the more that I'm excited to get into the season. Yeah. I, I feel like XC is exciting. I think generally, like, more optionality is better. I would have liked, uh, like, I'm not sure. I'm skeptical what this means, right? Like, does this just mean you are misallocating resources, or does this mean you're having more resources than we thought, mm. and now you're taking advantage of that? Um, sure. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't hate where this is shaping up. I don't think No Hill's dumb. The only way this could be misallocation of resources is if, like, he's only allowed to get seven players, and instead of getting a second tank, he's like, I'm gonna get another DPS. 
that would be misallocation, but I don't think No Hill's stupid enough to do that because he's pretty well regarded as a coach who knows how to win and knows how to build a team. Yeah. Yeah. There's also something to be said about... Do you ever feel like some players are just so talented that you could easily see them, like... We're not transitioning roles per se, right? Like, it's not like... It's probably not going to be as hard to mm -hmm. get used to a new role in Overwatch 2 in the transition yeah. of that as like that's the best opportunity to do so right mm -hmm. so are you uh are you dusting off the old XE element mystic jersey and throwing him on a, an occasional zenyatta is that what you're asking me i mean that or like <laughs> it it sounds like like the the whistling is that profit is for instance going to take on tank duties right i think he's playing a ton of zarya at the moment on the korean ladder and okay. they've hinted, sure. like Arnold has hinted towards that possibility. I think they are hyper talented people that could could have probably succeeded in just about any Anything. role in Overwatch. Can I be real? Yeah. There's a there's a secondary factor to that, and that is that Prophet is the Echo player, and Echo players are probably gonna have they need to practice tank anyway because they're copying tanks all the time as the yeah. Echo ultimate. Um, and as it stands. As far as everyone's aware, and to be fair, I mean, this can change at any point because we just don't have the info yet, but if you copy a tank as Echo in current Overwatch 2, you just get, like, a mega buff tank fully copied. Hmm. So it is, like, I'm not going to say it's broken AF, but it's it's very clear that if you are not copying the tank, you're just simply not using the ultimate correctly. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense for DPS players uh, flex DPS players if you're the Echo player to practice tank, which by the way just just leads un, as as an aside point, uh, contributes further to my statement that flex DPS really are the most talented players in the entire game and have the most difficult and demanding um, expectations of them. The fact that these guys have to have to fucking practice tank to play mm -hmm. DPS is ridiculous, but you know it's what they got to do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's possible though. I mean, to, to your point, Yeska, like, maybe there are some role swaps. Maybe there are, you know, players that we think are doing one thing when their their roles are a little bit more fluid than what we know thus far. Um, kind of have to just wait and see. Yep. I'm excited if that's the case. I think that'd be a really cool way to allocate and use your bench. Um, but I don't know. Cool. All right. Um, discussion about XC aside, I think we're all unanimous on that. This is a good pickup for Valiant, assuming they round out the rest of the team in a smart mm. fashion like mm. we expect them to. And also, you know, congrats to XC for landing a team uh, after what was looking like a pretty dire offseason. He, he finally got uh, a contract signed in front of him. So, well, at least that's what the rumor says. We're all pending an official announcement. Last section of the show today and it's a time wow i mean we've we've actually this has been the most streamlined episode ever because we've actually not gone on huge tangents for super long amounts of time mm. i think we just had like very specific topics that we just stuck to also probably helped that i i didn't talk at all during the sideshow brain segment i just kind of let you guys have it and so uh, that was probably shorter than it would have been if I had also come in. But yeah, we can do a few questions for uh, off the fence if if those are available. Joe, yes, yes, your favorite, your, your time. 
My baby. To shine. The resident fence sitter gets to sit on the fence and scream at two young men to pick a side. Get off the lawn. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, sort of. Um, so, yes, welcome to Get Off the Fence. Uh, if you would like to have your question added to uh, my magical list of questions, you can go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Uh, any form of patronage is welcome. Um, once you connect your Discord to your patron uh, account, you can come to our Discord, leave a question. I will add it to the list. It will get answered eventually. Um, and yeah, please, uh, please do so. We appreciate everybody. And uh, these are kind of fun to, you know, tease in our heads and, and you know, think about so not only do you get to you know so help support us which we're uh ever so thankful for but we also get to you know indulge in some some fun little questions like um das chunk comes in with a question from our discord uh they ask overwatch one struggled for years to find a working competitive game design from no limit no hero limits to hero limits to roll lock and still needing another fundamental change to get to 5v5. His, their question is, get off the fence. Overwatch 2 will establish a solid and long-lasting formula within one year of the release of an open beta. So within one year, do you think that this lasts? Oh. Do you think they get it right? Who's, who is this question for first? Uh, since you spoke up, we'll go with you. Yo, no way anyone <laughs> believes this, dude. No, and I'm not sure if they actually, like, if they want to make this a live service game, that's not even desirable depending on what you mean, right? Like, mm. um, so I think you won't get away without change, changing the game fundamentally, or not fundamentally, but in, in significant ways every once in a while. I don't think changes to the game just in terms of hero balance and hero rotation in the meta, um, keeps the thing fresh. I think you need to inject content that is more widespreading, whether that's new game mode or whatever it is, and those necessarily uh, in inject a level of difference into the formula that cannot be this, uh, compared to the evergreenness of CSGO, right? Mm. Or, or Counter-Strike, or... Mm, I mean, okay, if, you, if you're if you asking, can can Overwatch reach the rigidity of League of Legends, which is still a gigantic ship of Theseus, but we have five lanes, we have the roles figured out. Yes, we have some weird rotations in terms of the lanes. So that became sort of like this liquid thing where like the, the top, bottom uh, uh, situation was up for interpretation. Um... So, if you mean that level of rigidity, even one year is still cutting. Like I feel like five v five is such a radical departure, unlike we've ever any we've ever seen. I think it's the biggest one we've had yet. It is. It it would very much surprise me, given the limited time that we have. If we nailed it, and if we did, it would be by sheer luck. Because mm. let's be honest. 5v5 will be played. Pros will get to that game. They will play that very differently than the playtesters. Sure. In a year, the level of play of those people playing the Overwatch League will be like Masters tier or a Grandmasters tier level, at least. 
So by mm. then, the meta is sophisticated enough that people are exploiting similar differences where it now starts trickling down to the general player base and then you got to change it up again in order to find what it is, right? What, what you're looking for. Mm. The reason that CS can be rigid is because several generations of players have grinded away at this game and perfected it to a level, so the the Nash equilibrium, if you want. So Nash equilibrium is the theoretically possible uh, point of perfect play. Mm-hmm. Players in CS are way closer to the understanding or finding the Nash equilibrium than we are in Overwatch, right? And therefore, mm-hmm. um, the, that that is required in my mind to be a hedge against frequent changes that require them. Because as you approach the Nash equilibrium, you have a clearer understanding of what the game is and what needs to change. Mm-hmm. And as we approach that with a completely new mode in or like mode of seeing, seeing things, everything needs to re- be re- re- re-evaluated once again. And with us now once again moving further away from the Nash equilibrium, I think there's no way we will find out what what we need to know within a year, and I'm not even sure if if, if it's a desirable thing because for all we know, after Overwatch two, there's Overwatch three. We need some novelty there in order mm-hmm. to keep people around. I think rigidity and evergreenness is not even a goal for a game in 2021, uh, 2022. Sorry. All right, Avril, it seems like Yiska does not think it's possible, but do you think it's possible? Uh, the answer is yes. Okay. Should I, should I explain? I'd actually, I would actually love to hear why. It's not even just like, is it possible? It's like, no, I think it's confirmed. It's, it's like a hard yes. It's not even like a okay. speculative yes. It's like, a, it's like, for me, it's a hard yes, because mm. fun, fun fact, Team 4 isn't just rocking around. It's like, hey, sh- it's uh, it's been another year. Should we do another random fundamental change? Yeah, let's let's get the day, get the get the get the roulette board out. Well, which one is? Oh, you put into hat. Let's just put it out. It's like oh, um, throw in a basketball in the game now, and now right. we've got to shoot hoops. That's the whole. Let's that's do the game. Next. That's not what happens. The, right. They're actually actively looking for like the final the the best possible final form of the game and mm-hmm. you, that's not about just randomly throwing just a random change at any point it's not like someone looks at a clock and be like oh it's time to do the next change it simply doesn't work like that and i think this is the final change well this is this should be the final change because i personally cannot see any other major fundamental shifts that need to happen to the game obviously i don't i haven't seen overwatch 2 yet well i haven't seen enough of it yet i i, I have to play it i have to mm. analyze it myself and i have to sure. look at it and just see what else needs to change um i would only speculate the only uh, possible fundamental change i still want in the game is more carry potential on dps's and especially um less impact from tanks ideally sorry tank players and just more capability of of showing off pop off moments, but that can just be achieved through game balancing. Like none of what I just said is like a fundamental change to the game. And when we look back at stuff like no hero limits and two two two, those are all very important and necessary moves that mm. I actually think are super predictable. For example, 
No Hero Limits, that should have shipped with the game. The fact that they had to add that in later is a joke. Like I could have told you from I could have told you from beta that that needed to be in release day one of the game. As someone that played TF2 and understands, like you know how this shit, how class based shooters works, you know again, uh, and even then, like in TF2, you can play like um, seven, eight, nine soldiers and scouts if you want. But I, I look at the game like Overture, I'm like there's zero chance you can balance this game. If everyone can just go diva anytime they want, and you have six divas on the field, all just endlessly stalling, or like six Winstons who can just layer shields and bubbles on top of each other, it's ridiculous. Like the game is like it, it's like it's not fun. I don't think it's like interesting or fun when you have these no limits in play. And if you were to play no limits now, the novelty will will last like an hour at the most. And you're like, this is just stupid. This is so mm. stupid that. This is so crazy like this. So I don't think it should have been that difficult to work out that that was never going to be the final form of the game. That there's never never going to be good. Um, two 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 is another thing that you could have predicted early on. In fact, it was quite a requested feature. I remember seeing plenty of comments early on. I remember Slash was going off about it as well. He's like, this game needs to have a more rigid, like, you know, first of all, queue system to help you to like, so you can actually get into um consistent games but also a game that's consistent in its gameplay where it's not just five dps and one support in one game and then mm. it's like four tanks and you know two supports in the next or something stupid like that you there, there yep. needs to be some level of consistency these, these are all very noticed uh changes that we could have all predicted that i look back and i'm like it makes a lot of sense like i i i fully agreed with the early text that we should have moved to 222 and that's something that we should have moved towards and, and eventually we did um and then as far as 5v5 goes i initially and this is the thing was Jessica, you were the first or one of the first people that said hey it looks like there, there's a possibility of 5v5 because you looked at the footage and you're like i'm noticing only one tank here and i remember i i know i remember i was like oh well, that sounds a bit ridiculous because why would we, we play 5v5 it seems like overwatch is fundamentally meant to be 6v6 so I'll cop the L on that one and say, like, I didn't predict the 5v5. In fact, I was kind of opposed to it. But looking back on it now, um, 5v5 also ticks off a bunch of boxes on my list in terms of things that need to be changed or improved in the game mm. for the game to be in the place where I think it will, will, will and can succeed the most, especially as a competitive title. Mm. Um which is a game that's less focused around tank play and more focused around DPS play and pop-off moments from those DPS mechanics uh, and more capability of showing off your carry potential and uh, just having a more lethal game in general. No, that doesn't mean we're playing fucking Valorant now, but it means mm. we're playing a an Overwatch game that's a little bit more lethal than the current Overwatch game. That's all I'm asking for. So we don't have to be hyperbolic and like pretend it's suddenly Counter-Strike just because DPS do more damage or something. It's like, no, we can, we can still, it can still be Overwatch just as a faster, more deadly game. Uh, so to achieve that, 5v5 moves in that direction. I didn't predict that 5v5 would have been my initial thought. I would have just initially said that, oh, we can just rebalance the heroes and fix these numbers and we'll get there. It just so happened that 5v5 achieves the same goals that I wanted mm. through a different pathway, which is why I'm like, well, that's a really good fundamental change. So when I look forward of... How many problems that I think are still here's actually one problem that I think is still exists in the game. Uh, two of them actually they're both related. One is healing. I think healing is still the major issue in the game, and healing okay. in in combat healing needs to be significantly reduced. 
Um, and outer combat healing should be the main focus of healing. I, I don't think pocketing is a good mechanic in this game. Secondary to that is damage output needs to be more standardized. Um, I, I think headshots should not be available for the vast majority of the roster. Headshots should be very specific to certain head scan heroes or maybe certain projectile heroes like Hanzo for certain mm. certain abilities and certain shots. But for the most part, like I, I don't... I don't think Tracer should be able to headshot, for example, as as just a, okay. a straight up example. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get too deep because this is that's a long sure. discussion. I spend and hours. And you don't think the I game have... will change, dude? If you think that is necessary. Well, this is what I'm saying. It's like these are the fundamental. But these, these, mm. you just you adjust numbers. You just change. You just you go into your fucking spreadsheet and you just like type in a different number than the one that's there. Like these yeah. aren't that. These changes are not as big as making the game 5v5. So mm -hmm. I don't classify it as a fundamental change. Depends what your definition of a fundamental yes. change is. But if you want to define it that way, okay, then the answer is there's only one more final uh, fundamental change after 5v5 that I can foresee, even if you want to define it that way. Mm. But I don't think there's, mm. to me, from, from my standard, what I think the game should be, there's nothing beyond that. I, I think That's it, just what I think. I think for one, one that's like feels obvious so okay so the the problem where i could see major changes coming in right it's mm. like we're playing this and part of the decisions making presumably was how the game plays and how people interact with the game so one of the issues is was thank you like how we have to rediscover how fun the goals uh, the roles are for everyone and if they are not fun, then we need to fundamentally change stuff in order to get there, right? So that's one of the changes that I could foresee. I think ultimates are... You just shift the numbers. You just just go into your spreadsheet and change the number. Like That doesn't change fun. Right? Like, it, it, even... And I think, like, for instance, if you say no headshots for Tracer... I think no headshots for like ninety percent. I just use Tracer as an example. Ninety percent of the heroes should should be Zarya. Zarya can't headshot. That should be ninety percent of the heroes, in my opinion. I think that's to standardize damage output. Then it's like, again. Then then I stop playing Overwatch because the skill aspect is so diminished. Like then you're wrong. No, incorrect, incorrect. Because now you actually have um you you make more more direct and distinguished decisions based on your threat and your understanding of the enemy threat level whereas current overwatch is so like it's so all over the place in like what is what is maximum possible damage output and what is minimum possible damage output the difference between hitting all headshots and hitting no headshots is a hundred percent damage but you, double damage literally yes but it's ridiculous want the skill aspect to be the modifier on strategy nope. Like you uh, want incorrect. your strategy to incorrect. be co completely incorrect. invalidated by professional skill. Incorrect. That is the incorrect. most. That is inherently incorrect. the most interesting viewership aspect of CS:GO in in esports at all. If you have incorrect. a a strategy that rigidly works in League of Legends, but Uzi is able to outvein someone, or like in CS, a lineup should not be held, but fucking simple goes off. That is esports. Nothing else. Incorrect. So why you're why you're wrong about that is because that works for those games. What works for Overwatch, in my opinion, is it's an arena shooter, and you need to lean further into arena shooter mechanics and not into tactical shooter or 
any other type of shooter mechanics in terms of burst damage. Burst damage is one of the banes of this game, as well as burst healing. Burst damage is ridiculous. It shouldn't be in this game. And what what you where the skill aspect comes through, because here's the problem. You are equating skill to your ability to burst damage correctly. That's what you're equating skill to. Yes. I am equating skill to consistency of output of damage over a longer period of time. Body shots you need to correctly... Shit. You need to correctly track a player over a certain period of time Easy. and hit a large percentage of shots. It's not about hitting that first... We're talk, not talking about Counter-Strike here. It's not about hitting the first shot on a headshot and boom, done. You're finished with it. It's about, I need to track 30 bullets where 25 of the 30 bullets needs to hit a target for me to get this kill. Headshots have no factor. It is my pure tracking ability to get there and you 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 might counter argue and be like well you know you can still have headshots in there and then you can you know you can still track on the headshots as well i just think that creates a really inconsistent damage portfolio that is not healthy for gameplay because it feeds into it feeds into burst damage and, and burst damage creates a lot of problems in terms of balancing for this game and also burst damage creates power creep and healing and that's why healing and heal, heal burst healing burst damage have been fucking at each other's throats in this fucking evolutionary war since the beginning of overwatch it's a huge problem in this game massive problem in my opinion so the way you get rid of that is you both need to be addressed both damage output and both both healing need to be majorly addressed both need to be toned down to an acceptable level and a consistent level that makes the gameplay a lot more again i'll use the word consistent in in what your expectations are because there shouldn't be a case where you walk up to somebody and you, they hit 100% headshots, you just instantly get melted. It's like, and then a second case where like they, they hit 100% body shots and it's a completely different experience. Like coming from TF2 into Overwatch and having that as my experience was was f unbelievable. It's just like, how have we gone backwards in arena shooters? It's just like, what you are you an arena shooter or are you trying to be CS? Like pick one mm. because you're not really fulfilling either if you're in this fucking middle ground here. Dude, it's ridiculous. The problem is, this is this is like that. Ma this made sense in 2004 when not every cracked kid has perfect tracking on body. Like it, aim uh, mechanics on uh, down to masters would have 80% body tracking or upwards. The difference between the best aimers and the worst uh, of like the, that lower threshold would be basically indistinguishable. I think I could do that. Like, I, Do what? nobody misses beams on Zarya, man. There's no damage difference on left click on people who can have held a mouse for five years to, like, profit. Just isn't. Uh, are you aware of, like, depends. What are you tracking? Are you tracking a fucking Ryan standing there doing nothing? Or you trying to track a tracer blinking tracer. around you again? You double like double jumping and shit. Like it's it's very different depending on the target you're actually shooting at and their movement mechanics and their ability to outmove you. Like it's not like I mean you think it's easy to play like an Traces. aim labs training course Against for tracking Traces, and yeah. just like see what see what you get. Like see how it is. It's not that easy. If it's, it's fucking that easy, everyone would Zari would be the best hero and everyone would be the fucking monster. Everyone would be the best. Everyone would be decay from 2020. But that wasn't the impressive... Tracking with beams is not the impressive part about Zarya. Right click It's a pretty damn important part. Like, I, I give you Tracer or, like, uh, models are hard to hit, but even, even Lucius pressing it with how... You could argue maybe you would have to make Tra beam less for Tra 
Track a Valkyrie Mercy flying around you for me, and tell me if that's easy to track. That's because the and I'll find you and I'll find you professional players. I'll show you. I'll find you players that will say that that's one of the hardest things to ever hit in any FPS game in history. But in order to kill her, because like if you have a Valkyrie Mercy, it's it's hard to out DPS that, especially if a second, uh, like support is in the in the game, because you basically need to perma headshot, right? It's it's the literal three dimensional movement in air, and it's pretty fast as well. And by the way, Overwatch here's the, here's the thing you need to remember: Overwatch is a game in terms of movement. It is not like other FPS games where there is ramp up and ramp down in speed. You literally hit one hundred percent of your movement speed as soon as you press any directional button, which means AD AD movements and strafing this game is unreal. Right sure. in other games, in other games, I. I'll, I'm on the same page as you. Tracking is probably easy in those games because you can't just 80-80 spam and have huge success because when you when you change directions, you have to slow down and speed back up again. In Overwatch, that doesn't exist. You are instantly at maximum speed pretty much as soon as you press another button, which is why tracking in Overwatch is actually kind of hard. It's pretty hard. Not to completely interject, I do think that we're having a very you know fruitful discussion, but I'm I'm going to probably cut in and probably say final comments on this question in particular, not to uh, potentially derail, but you know, back to, back to you guys. Like what I, I, I understand, like there are a lot of levers to turn. If, if you think about it, like, yes, Tracer is very likely to be um, much harder to hit. Even though I think, I don't know, like it, it really doesn't seem that challenging, especially mm -hmm. like, like, also, Zarya's left click is a huge hitbox. Just saying. Yeah, but even like... Do that on Soldier. Do the same shit on Soldier. Yeah, the, why, I don't everyone know why, why was able using, to in 2016. Everyone was no, perfect at it, yeah. The, Bullshit. A, a, part, a what? Shooting a tank? No, what are they like shooting? A, 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 I don't know, like a jumping Zenyatta is not hard to track. Or like... Uh, why are you talking about Zenyatta? The fuck is Zenyatta is like one of the slowest... Like most vault that's two, 100, every, 2016. That, that's Zenyatta had 150 HP in that, 2016. Right, but that's the normal character. character. That's basically every character is like this. Like a like a um let's say for instance, hmm, what would be a, a different let's say okay, a dashing Genji of course is much harder to track, right, during the dash. But like even a grappling hook uh widow in three dimensional space, I would expect everyone in Grandmasters to have upwards of probably 85% body hits somewhere. If, if it all is the same, like the impressive she travels in a, in a, in a single linear line. No, in three dimensional space, I mean, depending on the, uh, she's like still a, traveling in a completely part, linear line. The, the Slo impressive slowly compared to dash. Right. But if, like this, the, the the movement of the jiggle is, is so forgiving in, if you uh, aim center mass, right? Like, you can be on the <sighs> middle of the of the um, of the model of most saying... characters, and then you have like 0.3 seconds in order to react until the target what? changes t direction, and even you even uh, have to adjust your aim in order to not hit body anymore. What you're saying simply doesn't make sense because if what you said was true, Tracer would be unplayable and she would be never in the meta. Because, like, apparently you think she's easy to hit. 
So Tracer would not be the dominant force no, no. that is completely Tra dominated Tracer, every single meta. We, Tracer no is, except is a notable exception of that, but because of the instantaneous. You said she's easy to hit, though. Yes, she is easy to body hit for sure. And the, the because like you have recall and low damage mm. that isn't headshot, which is challenging, um, is pretty easy to recall and for Tracer to get out. That is the thing that keeps uh, Tracer's survivability high, right? Mm -hmm. Like, a McCree double headshotting Tracer is just going to get rid of her, but everyone can perma body shot Tracer's as McCree, right? No, they really can't. They really can't. I think you're highly overestimating people's abilities in this game. Um... I feel like Recry, like. Already in 2016, the impressive part about tracking wasn't really about body shots. Everyone could do that, that back then with Soldier. The impressive part was tracking headshots like the friend did back then. That was when, when uh, Soldier was nuts. Wasn't that the ability to track bodies was, uh, was hard, right? I don't know. I feel like... It, and I think maybe we... I like, don't think that's a, a good compromise for having like a really inconsistent game that mm. creates incredible balancing problems that obviously cannot be solved by the current balancing team or maybe by any balancing team. Mm. Um, and is in generally like, yeah, maybe it's fun and maybe it's, maybe it's fun for the person that's doing it and maybe it's fun to watch, but it is a dog shit like thing to have happen to you like in, in a, when you're on the receiving end mm. um it's just kind of bull it's i don't know but i don't think i don't think it's a good gameplay experience this scenario you're describing it feels like it is tuck of war meets axel the game meaning like if if there's no high variance in damage output let's say the difference between like someone let's entertain that tracking is hard and some people just hit 60 percent and that the top players hit 80 percent that damage difference is not as significant as to really offset... Like, the time to kill would necessarily adjust to that. You would play, like, effective damage... Effective damage being, like, the damage you deal minus the healing that is coming in would force, like, a uh, tug-of-war type of scenario where at snail's pace, you are now out-damaging the opponent while the healer heals. And... I mean, that's, that's, that's not a game that the anyone game right wants now. to play Twenty and twenty. We're playing that game right no, now. No, we're not. We're playing bursty <laughs> shit that creates uh, opportunities in uh, in situations, right? I'm you we, can't... You, you, you're playing a game now that literally requires you to burst because healing is that strong. Right. And that's regular, regular tracking. Like, you can't... You couldn't even... You, healing is so strong now that even if you were tracking with 100% headshots, you might not kill somebody. It's that ridiculous. Um, yes. so there's, there's one problem. It's like, uh, you would adjust so many, we can't look at this in a vacuum either and just be like, oh, so if you get rid of headshots now, then you just do only body shot damage. It's pretty bad. You would do some sort of middle ground of damage that makes up for it so that you're still, your time to kill averages down to about the same. So instead of having like an extreme end of time to kill and of, of it being low or high, you have a standardized time to kill that if you were hitting all your correct shots with a high percentage, this would be your time to kill. So, um, yeah, you'd, you'd, the, the damage in my mind would be standardized somewhere in the middle. It'd be 
like what is let's just say soldier damage is is 20 headshot damage is 40 so now you only body shot and your damage is 30 as an as an example I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to say uh, final final comments and we're going to get to the next question. Hey, you said final comments about half an hour ago. We still haven't finished. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you know, sometimes, you know, the the, the assignment, the, the instructions aren't necessarily super clear. Dick stuck in toaster. All I'm saying is like I've I've played arena shooters my whole life and I know mm. I, I've that includes like, you know, the quakes, the unreals, the TF2s. Like I've seen what works for an extreme shooter, what like is rewarding an arena shooter. And there's certain mechanics in this game that you know, it's trying to be something it's not. It's trying to be like, oh, we're a shooter, really shooter, but also we're counter strikes. Like, well, you're not. Which one? Which one really are you? Mm. I, I, I would say there's zero successful uh, arena short shooters that still work in 2022, and there's a reason for that. And most of it is because most of them are one v one. Because most of them are one v one games or a game that came out ten years ago, more than ten years ago. That's the reason. Why is that? Is everyone stupid developing games? Uh well what well Valve make them so you answer you tell me the answer to that. <laughs> Who, how do they make them? Valve make well, well Valve don't know how to make games that have the number three in them so you you let me know if they're stupid developers or not. Um, I mean one v one games has proven to not be super popular as far as esports goes so that's a problem. Um, yeah I mean very easy to answer those questions for you. I think there's there's basically no ground that 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 justification you just mentioned explains. Also, by the way, an absolute incompetence <laughs> of an industry. Boys, I think I think we're mm -hmm. just at a fork in the road. I think we're just not gonna, you know, if somebody wants to bring this up again, we could definitely, you know, have a a whole segment tied to this. But um, I, I think we are gonna move on. I think um, there are some some more lighthearted questions. I think you know can. You know, ease some of the the the, the tension. Um, I just don't think we have that much more to go to to reach a final state of the game. It's like again, mm -hmm. the, the to, to to come back to the original is like the devs aren't on aren't just you know having a, a fucking laugh and having a piss take. I at least I hope they're not. Like they're sure. trying to reach they're trying to reach an end goal as well as like here's what the the best version of the game can be. Correct. And sometimes they figure out new stuff that gets them closer to that, but I don't think there's that many fundamental changes we need. And I think people have this like weird idea of like, oh, we're just randomly doing fundamental changes every other year. I'm like, that's just not true. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's really hard to uh, predict at this point. It could very well be like we get into Overwatch 2 and place very well. I just, mm. I think... Like game development is probably usually in dialogue with the player base, and you mm -hmm. probably need a ton of footage and those people to also actually get at the equilibrium state where they are probably where the diminishing returns of them getting better slows down significantly or goes up significantly, where the uh, game gets more rigid in how it's played, and then that's the level. And if that game actually doesn't require changes, you've got your golden formula, right? All right, um, fair play. I think to 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 you know try to synthesize a little bit. I think a lot of the the disagreement came on what defined or what the definition was on formula, what that means for for either party. So I think um, yeah, I uh, I think both both sides have uh, said their piece. Here's a f quick little fun one to kind of chew on. 
um, from Kasha67. Hopefully, um, you know, this answers your question. Um, in the in a recent Plat Chat episode, the crew debated the greatest flex supports to play Overwatch 1, and Reinforce included Unko on that list, citing great potential that was otherwise squandered due to his attitude and the teams that he played with. Looking back, who would you say was the biggest letdown in terms of hype slash potential? And if you could rewrite history, which team do you feel like they could have fit into to possibly live out those lofty expectations? Avril, we're going to send this to you. What kind of player, a little bit overhyped, Bala. didn't miss? Bala okay, and uh, I think NYXL is fine. He was just too young. Mm, okay, so you, you would have rather age, seen him. Age screwed him. He peaked super early. Age screwed him. There might have been some internal stuff that affected his development because okay. i think other young players can still maintain that growth and and then debut in the overwatch league and still be dominant we, we've seen that with most rookies that are coming through especially the ones that win rookie of the year or get close to and get nominated um flower is just a special case but he popped off extremely hard and had a super high high only to excuse me not realize that again for various reasons uh I, I don't know. I, I I almost start to think that maybe even if he was old enough and he did debut in the Overwatch League, that could have just happened anyway. He could have just fallen off because, you know, some other factors contributed to that because we've seen too many other rookies come through and succeed uh, for, you know, to, to, to really blame it on Flower's age anymore. That's my take. I think Flower yeah. is, is the big pick, right? Um okay i think i agree with that but i would like just to keep it interesting i must say decay so All right. i think decay I so. should be what fleda is okay sure and maybe better i think mm. fundamentally decay has more talent than fleda um i think the K had some pretty bad luck get when he got into the uh, game in terms of Overwatch League in the, with the meta. was pretty decent, right? But, like, it's it's hard to stand out there, even though he was okay. And then he just, like... Be it choice of teams, be it not impacting culture po positively, arguably sometimes neg negatively, depending on what... Uh, their uh, teammates said and how much you want to give credence to that but man like I feel like Decay should be in the GOAT discussion and he's nowhere close right he doesn't want shit and a player of that skill set probably in terms of sheer talent a top 5 um, talent of all time but he has nothing to show for it so I think that's that's like if you want to bend the question a little bit, then, then Decay fits there. And he also fluctuates in his talent as well. I feel like his absolute peaks, like he should be in that. He he has, at his absolute peaks, he's a good enough player to enter that kind of discussion hypothetically. Mm. But then you see some of his lows, and it could be caused by other issues like maybe his teammates or his team in general or his attitude and some other some other uh, factor, but. He's, I, don't even, I don't even think Decay's consistent, and that's one of his weaknesses as well, where you have a, a play with high highs and, and just otherwise beyond that, like he, he can also just be mediocre. Yeah. Fair play. 
Jessica, any any rebuttal there? No, I think that that's adds nicely to it. What I will say is there's probably others like him. Mm. I'm not sure, like, who are you at this point? It's like, yeah, that, that kid was probably only ever going to be good at Overwatch in this one set of meta. And Jay. now everyone would probably also be able to do what he does at Genji while he is sort of hard-capped at that. Like, he was mm. never going to become better than he was in Apex Season 2. He held it pretty high during uh, Fusion Uni. But man, has he not landed in Overwatch League whatsoever, right? Mm. Um, so that's... That's like a name that people probably want to uh, bring up. I think this this guy's skill set is just like a relic of a time that where Genji was still good, and even there, I'm not sure that like that others aren't just like straight up better. Like for instance, Huxel very clearly be uh, wasn't capped by just sure. Genji, or even his Genji ability became much better. Right, mm. I think who are you doesn't even really turn heads on Genji anymore. Proven by the fact that he wasn't actually the mainstay when Genji was in the meta for NYXL. So um, mm. I think that's a name that you want to instinctively bring up, but probably doesn't fit. Mm. Another honorable mention is actually Timer, who at one stage mm. was maybe the best hit scan in the True. world. Like his his peaks on hit scan were unbelievable. Like you you go back to his Apex clips; he's hitting unbelievable shots, mm. like shots. Of the caliber of any top level yep. FPS player in any game that exists in FPS, like un unreal shots, like mechanically speaking. And then for whatever reason, I mean, he's he's listed some of the reasons himself. He's kind of spoken out about it. He lost confidence, and you know, Dallas went doing super great as a team as well. Internal issues, blah 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 blah. Everything kind of affects him. And then there was a whole time move Winston period as well. It's just all this BS and. He never got back to form. Uh, some of it is maybe self-limitations mentally. I think, you know, he's he's a very emotional type of player. But I would say that, you know, that is definitely a player that at his absolute peak was, I was going to say one of the best, but I, I, I want to say like at his absolute peak, he, he might have just been the best player in the world, especially on, definitely on Hitscan, but maybe just generally as well. Um, and he had a pretty sharp decline uh, and as a player that, yeah. you know, was on... A really good team like NVS dominated, uh, but just Overwatch League just wasn't it. Yeah, I think in that same vein, I think Sire player is probably also a name people could mention. Where okay. it felt like, I mean, he did carry bodies at one point, and then he sort of like just like walked into the darkness and never to be seen again, right? And mm. that guy also had like a very distinguished skill set that unfortunately he never had the teams to show like it, it part of me would have liked to have seen him be like the fundamental guy on um on the s3 may mayhem but the, okay. the mayor i think the meta was hard um and like probably his mental was hard uh at mm -hmm. that time um sort of like the 0.5 version of that is logics ironically where you could also say, like, at least in season one, season two, probably this guy's potential was wasted. Um, but yeah, those are the names that sort of pop into my mind. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's probably other guys as well. Mm -hmm. Fair play. Um, <laughs> this one, uh, I think, is kind of kind of fun. This is from Rex Zane. Uh, he poses a hypothetical to the both of you, um, whom I'm 
kind of rewriting so that it's a little bit more inclusive. Um, Rex Zane asks uh, for both of you to get off the fence to apparently save me. Uh, I've been kidnapped. I'm held at gunpoint and will be shot. Um, The both of you can only save me by fulfilling one of the following tasks. You must either watch (laughs) the Houston Boston map seven game from February, 2020 week three, which I'm, I think is the, 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 yeah, the seven game set, the, the toilet bowl, or you have to watch that or, you have to watch the Overwatch 2 2021 Grand Finals reveal stream and subsequent so- show matches. Which do you choose? Get off the fence. You're getting iced, dude. I'm shooting <laughs> myself. <laughs> okay. There's uh, there's one answer, Avril. Uh, do I live in your what? world? I, I, I don't mind watching the Toilet Bowl. I remember I actually watched that on stream even, mm. so... I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fun game. If you, if you yeah. remove any expectations... Of wanting to see high level Overwatch, and you just want to see like a train wreck. It's fun. It's like it's it's no different than watching a lot of reality TV where you're just there to see the train wreck. Yeah, right? and that and that's exciting and entertaining. So it is um, I don't. I don't. I have no. I have no issues with watching the toilet bowl at all. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's the lesser evil for sure. Because I still haven't watched that reveal stream. <laughs> For sure. And I won't watch it at your funeral either, Joe. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have it any other way. So if you out there in the universe want these two knuckleheads to debate your question, uh, you can go to our patron. That's patron.com slash tactical crouch. Any tier of patronage can uh, drop a question in our discord and I will add it to the list. Um, Like I did Rex Zane, Kasha 67 and who was it? Uh, Das Chunk. Um, so if you would like to do that, please do so. Um, we'd appreciate the support. And that's all for me, Avril. The floor is yours. And uh, hopefully you ask a question where we can just spend like a full hour on one question. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, it's just, it's just like a really deep question that can just go either which way. We've, we've got some uh, more in here. We've, we've got quite a few to, uh, to really break down and digest. And it's just a matter of time before we... <laughs> really get into some of these oh man i got i got four cow stomachs worth of digestion you know i can really slowly get through i'm like i i can be like the sarlacc pit man 1000 years of digestion so um still thought it was quite cool how they managed to get boba fett out of there i was like well how are they going to get him out of there but i was like all right okay that actually makes sense actually does make sense okay um that is I mean, that's all our topics. We actually still went over to it. So we actually still did like a normal mm. two and a half kind of episode, even though things were pretty quick to start with. Uh, we're not going to have the earnings call come through by the time the next episode comes in anyway. I don't actually mm. know if I'm going to be here for the next episode, but I might be, I might not be. It depends if I've got a clash or not. Uh, so really what we're waiting for is going to be that earnings call whenever that ends up happening do they release a new date for that did they kind of say when they rescheduled that too or not, not sure. no but i think it's like whatever information we would have been forced to get i assume will just be like given some time to breathe i i think i mean at the latest we got to find out something soon in terms of the pre-patch stuff right for the overwatch league teams mm. i think it's only a matter of time until we get them yeah 
I will say that there, there is meant to be. This is now uh, less in terms of scale, way lower in scale compared to the earnings call. But there was meant to be a contender slash path to pro announcement. True. Right. Coming very soon. Should be today. Actually, it's been enough time that'll be coming today. Um, so we'll be able to talk about that on the next episode mm-hmm. and whatever other news. But you know, really at this stage, we're already into February. We've really got to start hearing something about Overwatch 2, especially yep. because if there was a BlizzCon line, we'd be we'd be watching that. We'd be seeing the new whatever they're prepared. Um, at this point in the year, there should be no excuses anymore in terms of uh, holding back information. Like we, you got to give us something. You know, mm. we, we need. I was going to say breadcrumbs, but like fuck it, give give us some slices. I'm not asking for the whole loaf, just a slice or two. You know, right? That's all I need. Okay. Yep. Should be cool. coming. All right. 2.12. Done and dusted. Thank you so much for joining us this week. 2.13. Coming up next week. Hopefully some more stuff to do. Head up the Patreon for more Get Off The Fence action. And enjoy the rest of your week. Watch Attack on Titan so we have something to talk about for the intro next time around. I'd enjoy what we talk about the intro, but uh, we'll, we'll have uh, plenty to discuss for the next one for that. And we'll see y'all in the next coming week. Bye.